this is most important, Rat. It comes down to making out. Whenever possible. Put on side one of Rock All Over You Podcast! Let's rock! Eric and Edwin. Edwin and Eric, they don't give a fuck. They just want you to rock. Yeah. Bam, 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 Dilly D. Bam, bam, bam. Welcome to the Rock All Over You podcast, everyone. I am Mr. Eric Jordan, RMCP, joined as always by Mr. Eddie Canastracci. Edwin, why don't you do the honors of introducing not one, but two amazing guest stars who have been on the show before. Yeah, amazing, amazing to have these two guys back, two of our favorite guests. They're awesome. They are legends. Everyone knows them in the RMCP Army. Uh, first guest, well, this is a... St. Patrick's Day episode, so happy St. Patrick's Day, and of and Wait course, a minute, St. Patrick's Day. Ah, uh, uh, there you that's, go. That's the sound of money going into Ian Wadley's pocket. Are you drinking a Rolling Rock? No, 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 I'm drinking a, a Bud Light because that's all I had in the fridge, and I did not feel uh, like picking up alcohol today, oh, and I've been really sick. <laughs> and you were giving me and Johnny Bogan shit for drinking light beer. <laughs> <laughs> this is all this. I found it buried in the back of the fridge, and probably for good reason. This probably been there since like Nam. Oh well, that that's gonna make you feel better. You know, when you're under the weather, doctors say drink old light beer. That's what they yeah, say. Yeah, it's fucking <laughs> cold. It's cold too. This was in the back of the fridge, and that's the coldest part of the fridge. This might be the last podcast with Eric, so I might be needing uh, a new Ooh. co-host after this. So, <laughs> so, so just yeah, saying, guys. Not, this is an old beer. <laughs> Except for you guys gotta do all the editing. I don't do that shit, Eric. So this is, well, yeah, it's St. Patrick's Day, and it's March, so of course, you know, that means we gotta talk about Thin Lizzy, and everyone knows who you gotta have on your podcast when you talk about Thin Lizzy, so I, I don't imagine there's a bigger Thin Lizzy fan in the world, really, like, not just in our group, I don't think there's anyone that's as big as a Thin Lizzy fan as Mr. Stephen Kirsch himself. Oof, that, that's a hell of an interest, a lot of pressure. <laughs> you know it, man. He did our last year. He was on the top twenty-five uh, Thin Lizzy song episode. I think it was top it was twenty-five, right? Not 20. yeah. It took took us about four days to record, didn't it? I felt like uh, <laughs> it was forever. Yeah, it was a tough one. It was long, Ooh. and and you know you had your very rich and detailed history, and it's a great history too that you have personally with the band and all the times you saw them, and it's an amazing story. And we're not gonna talk about it here because. Listen to that goddamn episode. Go oh, that's back. An amazing episode. Two parter too. Yeah, it's, it's it's two parter. It's one of our earlier episodes. But scroll down there. Scroll down there on the Podbean or wherever you're listening to this shit, and check out that if you haven't. And you'll hear Stephen's great uh, history with the band and his history of being a fan. But you know, when I threw this album, this is one thing I'd like to do every year from this point on. Every year I'd like to tackle one Thin Lizzy album every St. Patrick's Day. I think that'd be a cool thing to do. And I went with this one first because this is my personal favorite. Fighting is my favorite album. And and uh, so, you know, what just you got any general thoughts or history with this uh, album, Stephen? Um, not particular. I mean, when I got into Lizzie, you know, uh, 
it was probably around 78, something like that, because I remember Life and Dangerous uh, around that time. I got older brothers, 10 years older than me, 8 years older than me, and that's how I got into them. But um, this album, it, it, I didn't get into this album till a lot, lot later into Lizzie, uh, that I got into Lizzie, because I was really into like the Live and Dangerous stuff, and there's only a couple of songs from this album on Live and Dangerous. Yeah. Kind of, you know, that at that age, that's what I was listening to, and Jailbreak and all that. And I did have these, this album and the Nightlife album and the earlier ones, but I never really listened to them that much because, as you'll, you know, this is Lizzie Discover It really starting to discover their sound, this album. So, and Jailbreak was, that's when it really all kind of clicked. So that's where I got into them when I was younger. It's, it's, as I got older, I kind of went backwards a little bit and, and got more into this album. Uh, so that's how, yeah. that's my memory of this album. Well, that makes sense, too. Yeah, because, yeah, obviously, this is the album right before their big breakthrough, which was Jailbreak. And this is the album that kind of set that up. And in the UK, this was actually apparently the first album to chart. So that's interesting. Like, it's uh, like the other ones didn't even chart in the UK, I guess, just in Ireland. Yeah. yeah, so that's interesting. So it was kind of a beginning, and we'll get more into that when we talk about this album. But, yeah, Stephen, we had to have you on, so thank you for coming on. Thank and you. And we have another returning guest. The one and only Mike Sears. Mike Sears, who's been on our oh, show yeah. before. He was on our uh, Smashing Pumpkins episode. That was a great episode. And he's got his own YouTube channel and all that. And everyone knows him from the RMCP Army. He's been also back, going back. Uh, me and him first met up doing that Prince episode, that Prince tribute with Ian Wadley on the Rock and Metal Combat podcast. It's my brother, fucking Mike Sears. How you doing, Mike? Hell uh, yeah. Thanks for having me again, fellas. I appreciate it, man. Talk about some fucking Thin Lizzy. Hell yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And, and we also, we did that uh, Led Zeppelin episode recently on yeah. your YouTube. If you want to plug your shit, you know, plug that episode, go ahead, yeah. man. Speaky yeah. Club Podcast, man. Live every Saturday, 6 p.m. Eastern. But I do episodes on the random like me and Eddie just did with uh, Hustles of the Holy, Led Zeppelin. So. Yeah, that was a great discussion. I really enjoyed I love, that one. I love your uh, volume, uh, I think it was volume four by Sabbath episode. That one was fucking killer, too. Hell yeah. yeah. Check, them all, check them all out. Yeah, it's a good wrapping. Yeah, me and Erica, we got to come on your show one time as a duo, too. So that would be fun. Yeah, man. Hell yeah. Always. It's open. Yeah, it's awesome. But yeah, Mike's like me. He's got very eclectic taste. His, you know, on his channel, on his podcast, he he talks metal and rock and classic rock, but he also talks a lot about hip hop. And I know he's also a big Prince fan. And oh, yeah. and and it kind of makes sense too. Like I didn't know you were a Thin Lizzy fan until maybe a couple months ago. You posted uh, about them, and that's when. Uh, and and I think didn't you, you did a video about them too, didn't you? Uh yeah, I did Black Rose like that's it years ago. <laughs> yeah. God, I love that, that fucking album. Oh, yeah, that's a great album. We're gonna hit that at some point too, because that's that's one of my favorites as well. Yeah, there was that's that period, shit. That was my favorite at a period. Like it moves it's around. Still my favorite. Bit. Is that still your favorite? It's What's still your my favorite, favorite Mike? My favorite Lizzie album. Oh man, yeah, you have to pick like, this week. Probably <laughs> Black Rose. They got Johnny the Fox and Black Rose. Fucking. Ping pong all the fucking time. <laughs> yeah, that that yeah. was also a favorite at a time period as well. I, it, right now it's fighting, but th- both those albums were my favorite at certain periods. And shout out to Steven because I know he did that with he did Johnny the Fox with a uh, rock and metal combat. You know, what I'm saying that was a great yeah. episode. Oh, great episode. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, so so talk a little bit about your history, uh, Mike. It made sense when you said you liked Thin Lizzy because knowing your taste in music and you yeah. know and knowing that you like rock, but also you know you you love Prince and all this stuff. And you know, I imagine like because Phil Lynott himself is a very eclectic guy, and you hear so much different musical influences in the band. So it sounds like he'd be like straight like an artist like you know straight to your heart like you know because he's like hitting all this different kinds of stuff that you love i mean that's what i would assume anyway but what's your, what's your history going back within lizzie when, when oh. did you first get into them oh man it had to be 1995 or like 10 years old i was raised off classic rock radio 95 hjy in the boston area uh wzlx but unfortunately lizzie was not big over here in america so you heard Boys are back in town and jailbreak. And if they fucking felt generous, uh, dancing in the moonlight. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I never you know, heard really. that. <laughs> I, yeah. I always figured cowboy songs the one song they'll actually pull out occasionally. Yeah, over yeah. here was dancing. Yeah, all, uh, all I ever heard was just uh, jailbreak and and you know the boys are back. That's that's it. That's the only uh, lazy songs I ever heard on the radio. And my uncle had bad reputation. He had fucking Johnny the Fox and Jailbreak on, on cassette. And he put me on and I just fell in love. Just Phil is a poet. You know, his lyricism is like very poetic. And I yeah. was a diehard fan in that. To find out that he's black as well. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's Did you not? Black. Did you not know that at first when you heard him? <laughs> no, nah, I didn't. Like on yeah. the radio. Really? I didn't know, yeah. Yeah, I didn't I, know uh, when I first heard the boys were back in town. I didn't know. Yeah. yeah. Well, Johnny the Fox, he gets kind of funky on there with his vocals. Oh, my yeah. God, oh, yeah. There, there are definitely song. some songs that, like, once you hear the albums, you're like, yeah, I, I would have known. But, yeah, yeah. Just those two radio hits, I didn't know until I saw some clips of them. And then it's like, it's funny because I know people make this joke a lot, but it's like, yeah, he's literally black Irish. You know? <laughs> yeah. He's, he's a... He's a black Irish guy. That's interesting, and of course, it, it's, it's part of his personality. But I know, you know, you, you know, being a, a black guy, Mike, that loves yeah. rock and roll music, and obviously, you know, you could see, and it's not just because he's black, but there is, you can hear that Jimi Hen- Hendrix influence. Oh yeah, and he's kind of like the bridge between Jimi Hendrix and Prince, I think, in a lot of ways. You that, know? That, that's oh. a good way of putting it. Yeah, man. that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, and fucking, man, I just became a diehard fan. Like, I love Lizzie so much, man. And it's a shame. They should be as big as Zeppelin and Savage and all the other fucking bands from the 70s, man. They're just iconic to me. You know, then I got into the the albums. I had the albums that my uncle had, Bad Reputation, Jailbreak, and Johnny the Fox. But it wasn't until the 2000s, 2009-ish, when I got into fighting. And just a fantastic album, man. Oh yeah, it's one of those. But God, you yeah, man, that uncle of yours is so cool. He got you in the. I so, like your so uncle. Much yeah, yeah, man. He grew up a black man in the seventies, so he didn't have little options. He had Parliament Funkadelic, but he listened to Kiss and Zeppelin, Sabbath, Boston, all that good shit. Man. Oh yeah. yeah. Then the metal in the eighties, he got me into all that shit. <laughs> did Did you uh, like uh, Thunder and Lightning? When did, When did you hit upon that album? Oh, that, around like oh, that's the most metal. Yeah, because yeah, I figured you, cause you love metal and you love Thin Lizzy, and that's like the, their most metal album. John Sykes, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. dead motherfucker on that. Yeah, yeah. yeah Stephen loves John Sykes. <laughs> love John Sykes. Yeah, he's awesome. 
Can, can you fuck with some uh, white snakes? Stuff like that? I mean, I, I don't know, like, how far... I mean, can, can you listen like, some of that stuff? Do you like <laughs> a little bit of white snake, Mike? I'll be honest, that, that fucking Here I Go Again on my own shit, that shit fire, I love that shit, but... I love that song. <laughs> yeah, love that but song. I never hear that album. I never hear that album, like... The album's a little spotty. Uh, that one. That's a spotty album, but I love Still the Night. I think it has some, you know, good singles. Actually, the album that's much better is the one right before. Um, slide uh, it in. Yeah, slide oh, it that's in. That's that bitch with the, the naked bitch and the snake, right? <laughs> no, no, dude, no that's, that's Love Hunter. Hunter. That's, that's about half their albums. That's Love Hunter. Slide oh, in. Oh, okay. Slide, slide it in is the one with the cleavage and the snake. Oh, yeah, Ronnie. Slide, slide, <laughs> slide it in would have been a more that would have been a more appropriate album cover for slide it in just because of the album cover with the the oh. snake sliding between the girl's legs. Oh yeah, I talked about that. The funny thing about Love Hunter, it has like the sleaziest album cover of all time. It's awesome. The fucking yeah. naked chick riding yeah, snake. I love that cover. I love that cover. Uh, but when you listen, it's a good album. But you're always a little dis. If you listen to it for the first time, you're always going to be a little disappointed because. It's just this like straight up like old school bluesy rock kind of album. Yeah, you're expecting like a metal album. It's you not. Know? It's not metal at all. It's so it's, it's, it's just funny that it has such an over the top looking kind of album cover. But slide it in is kind of a good match with the cleavage and the snake because that album is a little more metal and a little sleazier. Uh, <laughs> Ed, I, Edwin, I got to tell you though that with the Lizzie connection with that with Sykes because you mentioned Sykes. Yeah. I, I grew up with the original version. Right, and then yeah. when when I heard mm. the Sykes version, uh, I love Sykes, but oh man, I I can't listen to the, that version. Are you still that way? Are you still that yeah, way? Yeah, really. Yeah. Oh, well, you mean? Oh, do you mean specifically like the the original? Because he's not on the original mix. Can you listen to the original UK mix of Mooney? Yeah, that's what I listen to. When yeah, I have okay. both versions, but I never listen to the Sykes on. Damn. I, when, and, and when I hear the Sykes versions on the radio, some occasionally. It just, it just, because it, it, it lost all the blues feel with Sykes. I, I can, I can get that. And I love, I have that special deluxe edition, so I have both, like, uh, the Yeah, UK I do too. That, yes. Yeah, I do So too. I, I listen to both in them, and they're cool. I think Mike would like the John Sykes one, though, because it's a little more metal. It's a little punchier. Yeah. I think he would like that mix better. And again, yeah. I, I grew up with the blue, with the first version. That's the, that's the thing. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, and I hear yeah. it. Yeah, totally good. But, 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 um, it's, it's uh yeah it's hard for me to to listen to that album. and it's my favorite white snake album as well so it's, it's difficult you know yeah it's, a, it's, it's a, yeah so there you go mike and we're all telling you listen slide it in it's, i listen to a, i fucking <laughs> worship deep purple burn so you know, well yeah there you go man. john lord plays on that that's actually yeah. that's the last one he uh plays on with white snake but he was uh for a while there in the early uh 80s they essentially were like like half of deep purple was in that band so, yeah, yeah, the, it's great. Yeah, and that burn. Oh god, we're just gonna gush about all this other music. <laughs> but man, mistreated motherfucker, mistreated. Come on, bro. Oh, mistreated, man. Oh my god, Richie Blackmore is fucking just. Yeah. After A Van Halen, man, Richie Blackmore is my favorite guitarist of all fucking time. That I, fucking riff gets my dick hard, bro. It, dude, it gets my <laughs> dick hard. Hey, hey, I've got to say it. It's a sexy song. That's it's our so sexy. Phrase. We say sexy yeah. a lot. <laughs> That's our show. That's we say sexy, sexy a lot. <laughs> That's a sexy fucking song. This is the thing, uh, and I think this to bring it back to, to Thin Lizzy, this is the thing, because Steven brought this up, is, yeah, you know, 
you know, they are such, you know, and Mike did too, but, you know, they're such an underrated band, and they should be as big as, like, Sabbath and Zeppelin and all these bands. But at the same time, you know, it's tough because the fucking 70s, man, there was all that competition. You know, yes. a band like Thin Lizzy, like, showed up, like, you know, just, like, 20 years later, it'd be like, no one sounded like them, you know, they'd really stand out. But in the 70s, there was so much great classic rock, and... Uh, I mean, it's just, I can only imagine, like, you know, when, you know, like, Raffiero, when he was a kid in that period. Like, there was just so much great shit, you know? And got, and then you got, like, a band like Kiss that was so flashy with the makeup and all that. So it's just like, I can kind of get why Thin Lizzy would, in that time period, as awesome as they are, I can kind of see how they could just be, like, another band. Only mm-hmm. because all the bands were so fucking. I mean, Cheap Trick was a little like that, too. Yeah. And, and I love great Cheap Trick. Yeah, I mean, there's just it's just so much going on, you know. And you had, and then you had all the prog stuff. You had like Pink Floyd, and there was just so much going on that, God damn it, what a time, what a time. And I think, like, I was listening to this album, fighting like right before we came on. I was listening to the my vinyl copy of it, and that's the thing about the '70s rock albums. No records sound better on vinyl than the '70s rock albums. Like it's the per- live albums. They, the production is just like perfectly designed. It's before the digital age, you know, before everything got kind of compressed and kind of um, more fake sounding. But yet the technology is more advanced than it was in the '50s and '60s. So it's kind of like the perf. It's the peak, in my opinion. It's like kind of sonic peak when you're listening, whether you're listening to like an Aerosmith CD or or. or uh, you know, Led Zeppelin or Sabbath or Thin Lizzy, any of these groups, you listen to a 70s album or even like R&B, like Marvin Gaye and stuff. You listen to that stuff from the 70s on vinyl, whoo, whole other level. It's just like, man, music went backwards. And I love a lot of music in the 80s and 90s, but I'm just talking from like a sonic standpoint, you know? Like, I think the 70s, especially like mid-70s, that's like, that's peak production. And it just sounds fucking amazing. This album sounds so fucking good and it, it, it's it's an amazing album it's like i said i originally was with uh you guys with the black rose that really hit me um i tell you this i know stevens's favorite is uh jailbreak right isn't that your favorite yeah yeah and listen if i you know me i'm a little some people are more susceptible to the burnout thing than others you know that's the thing i because you know, that's the album where there was like four songs that I heard a lot of. Because of that, that album was never my favorite. But you know what? Objectively, I listen to that. Like, yeah, you know, if I was to give a person who never heard Thin Lizzy or never listened to the radio in their whole life, if I was going to give them one album, and if you couldn't give them a live album, you know, I'd give them Live and Dangerous. But if well, you I, get, I'd I, I, Jailbreak. I always say it's my favorite album, but it's not my most listened to Lizzy album. Okay, so it is a little burned out for you as well. No, not really. I mean, I still listen to it a lot, but I, I listen to, I listen to Renegade probably the most. The Renegade, right? So you, yeah. so that's probably your favorite then. You're just not prepared to admit it. If it's the one you listen to the most, it's the I one. Know, no, favorite. no, no. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just uh, emotionally attached to uh, Jailbreak, and you know what I mean. It's. Because that was that was when I really got into them. That, that was the first like real album I got into. So it's I'm just it's I can't get away from the album. And I might not listen to it for a while, and then I'll listen to it for like two weeks, for like ten times a day. You know what I mean? But uh, Renegade, I just like the 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 mixture. It's just such a variety of styles on the album. 
that yeah. uh, it's just so unique, I think, and it's so underrated. So I kind of feel like I got to give it its due. You know what I mean? Yeah, I like that too. And, and it's somewhere down the line, we'll we'll do that on St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> but yeah, but that's a grower. That one that that's one that really grew on me over the years. But yeah, something about fighting. It sounds like I'm the only one in which this is my favorite. Although it sounds like you all like it, but it's um. Man, there's something about this and this album, and we'll get into it when we do the track by track. But yeah, like um, at first, I got into Thin Lizzy with a Greatest Hits, and let me tell you something. It, you know, sometimes a Greatest Hits. There's like three kinds of Greatest Hits. There's the Greatest Hits that is like kind of so comprehensive that you don't feel like you'll need to listen to the app, the albums. Uh, like the Rolling Stones' Hot Rocks was a little like that for a while. I didn't buy any Rolling Stones albums, not because it wasn't good, but just because it's like, wow, this is so perfect. How what could be better than Hot Rocks? And you know, then I would listen to their original albums and was like, oh yeah, I should have got their original albums. They're great too. But <laughs> for a while there, Hot Rocks was just so perfect that I didn't feel I needed other albums. Then there's some bands where kind of like the Beatles, if you listen to those like blue red albums, you're like, yeah, I could tell even as great as this is, I could tell there's more shit. I could just tell that I should buy their albums, you know? So, like, they're a band that obviously is not summed up by Greatest Hits. And then there are some bands where the Greatest Hits is kind of shitty. Oh, my God, yeah. And it doesn't represent the band well. And as a result, you don't listen to that band. Unfortunately, that was the case with Thin Lizzy. Thin Lizzy's, not that their songs are bad, but it focused on the popular stuff, the radio hits. I mean, it didn't even have Emerald on it. So it was just a very lean, greatest hits. And it only had uh, Wild One uh, from this and a lot, you know, the Live and Dangerous version of Rosalie. And I don't know, it just, it made them just sound kind of a little bit more like a lighter kind of bar band. I know that's kind of what they focused on. So whatever reason... Uh, for years, I just thought, uh, Thin Lizzy, yeah, the boys are back in town. Like, the greatest hits made me feel like that's who they were. And it wasn't until the Rock and Metal Combat p- podcast, because of Ralph and Ian talking up the band so much, that I decided to actually listen to their albums. So it was probably, um, even later than Mike, it was probably, I would say, probably, uh, I don't know, like 2014, 2015. I'm, I'm, pro- I'm a relatively new Thin Lizzy fan but the thing is once I started getting their original albums that was it I was like oh fuck they're an album band listen to all these awesome deep tracks and suddenly I heard all this stuff going on and and I realized I was really missing out it was similar very similar Cheap Trick and Blue Oyster Cult and so I then did the deep dive and you know before you knew it I had all their albums you know I bought all their albums and they like quickly within like a year or so they became one of my favorite bands and they still are to this day and they're a band that yeah they to me they're not summed up well by greatest hits you gotta buy their albums they're an album oriented band all their albums have a very specific feeling you know what i mean like even like you got something like nightlife that's right before this that's so eclectic and different like how could you just pull a song from that you know yeah you know, like that's not giving you an idea. They're much closer to like the Beatles in that sense. There's just so much going on that they're just not represented by greatest hits. And and I felt bad that for so long I was neglecting them. But at the same time, the cool thing about that is, you know, that's the thing is, you know, 
if you haven't listened to a band, even if they're an older band, they're like a new band. So you get excited. It's like exciting when you discover a band. Whether it's a new band or an old band, either way, it's like discovering new new music in a way. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And oh, yeah. Yeah, so to me, I was like, you know, I already, you know, yeah, when I was a teenager, I was getting into Zeppelin and The Doors and Smashing Pumpkins and Metallica and all this other shit. So, yeah, so maybe maybe I wouldn't have fully appreciated Thin Lizzy then. But in my, you know, but suddenly I'm in my, like, late 30s and it's just like, yeah, I need some, I need, like, a band to get excited about that's not burned out for me, you know? So it's like Thin Lizzy came in just when I needed them, you know? Plus, I think they're good, like, scrappy, middle-aged, getting-drunk music. (laughs) (laughs) You know, even if they were... Yeah, and I feel like Phil had, like... Even though he's a young guy, he had, like, an old soul. He did. Yeah. So, yeah, his stuff speaks to me. I think that's why, like, you know, he covered Bob Seger, and he, like, totally nails it, you know? But, (laughs) yeah, so I I fucking love this album. Let's let's get into this shit. We're going to start with you, Mike. Uh... What do you think? And I, hey, I just did the segue. Mentioned Bob Seger. So, yep. what do you think of the cover of Rosalie? Rosalie, man, Bob Seger cover, like Eddie said. Uh, I didn't hear the Seger shit to like today. <laughs> you know, I just wanted to listen to it. It had like female vocals in the back, but I think Lizzie does it better, man. You know, dope ass fucking song. I, I love Phil's vocals on here as well. Great overall. The musicianship is tight, like. I put Gorham and fucking Robertson up there with Murray Smith, KK, and Tipton as a uh, guitar duo. You know what I'm saying? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. They're yeah. amazing. Yeah, incredible. And they were the big influence on them. Like, mm-hmm. they, they, yep. they were really the ones that pioneered this whole dual attack. Absolutely. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Rosalie, man. I like it better than the original. I only hit the original today. But <laughs> Rosalie, <laughs> great uh, opener as well. Good album. Oh. Awesome. What do you think of Rosalie, Stephen? Um, yeah, it's amazing. It's funny, actually. <laughs> uh, the Bob Seger version, I, I, have heard, I have heard it before, and I listened to it again quickly today. It sounds like it's on the wrong speed, if you like, because, you know, when you listen <laughs> to the original. <laughs> but, but, you know, it, it's funny because this is a Lizzie song. This is not a Bob Seger song. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. even though it's, it, it, I don't know. I mean, I don't know, I don't know anything about Bob Seger's catalogue, but this is a Lizzie song. So... It, the, the thing about this song is, um, when I was younger, I used to have the the VHS tape of uh, Life and Dangerous, and oh, nice. yeah, and the intro before they came before they came on the stage uh, on, on the video, um, it showed them all loading up, you know, the, the, all the equipment into the truck and then unloading it onto the stage and setting up the stage, and they had the Rosalie playing in the background. So I, as a kid, that was always like. When I think of the song Rosalie, I don't think of... yeah, That's what I think of, the setting stage up and everything. I don't know if you've seen that Live and Dangerous video. Um, I don't I've, seen cl- I've seen clips of it, like on YouTube, but I never actually sat and watched the whole thing. Yeah, I used to have it on... Uh, I mean, I don't, who the hell has a VHS recorder these days? But I, 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 I used to have it, and uh, I used to watch it all the time. I mean, I was fixated. And, yeah, this song is great. I mean, um, I mean, for a band to take a, a song from like a classic artist and make it their own and make it different from the it's similar to the original but it's different from the original a lot harder a lot faster um and like i said to make a song your own that that wasn't yours and it was written by somebody else who uses that song uh, i think that's a you know it's not easy to do so it's great and also the fact that phil is such a prolific 
lyricist and writer um that he can take somebody else's song and make it his song i think that's that's a hell of a talent you know i mean how many covers have we heard you're like yeah it's okay but it's not as good as the original or no they shouldn't be doing that so i think because i think there's only one other cover that lizzie did that they released i can think of and it was freaking awful and that was trouble boys and thank god it wasn't on an album it's (laughs) well they did uh well i'm gonna i'm gonna go next because i'm gonna piggyback on some of this uh it's (laughs) it's similar to Jimi hendrix you know Jimi hendrix could do like cover bob dylan and look he totally makes his own i mean who doesn't think of all along the watchtower as a Jimi hendrix song yeah even though it's bob fucking dylan that wrote it you think of it as a Jimi hendrix song and that bob dylan version's fine but that's the thing you think it's fine after hearing Jimi hendrix like Jimi hendrix is like yeah he's the guy who made it this bigger song you know and i'm i well one thing uh two things first thin lizzie did cover and they actually i wouldn't say it's better than the original but it's just as good in its own way they covered willie nelson of all people nightlife forget that yeah of course yeah yeah yeah. I've never heard the Willie Nelson version, but but it's good. They're both I, they're kind of equal, I think. I think Night, Nightlife is the best song on Nightlife. I I don't agree with that, but I do love it. It's a great song. I love, I love that whole album. That album, I uh, know. One one of these days, that's probably going to be my favorite album too. <laughs> <laughs> that's definitely their most eclectic. It's very interesting. That seems to be it, where you're gearing towards is like, hmm, this may be my favorite album soon. I feel like a move into nightlife. <laughs> I, feel like, <laughs> I feel this is like my last hurrah of fighting. <laughs> Which is strange because it's the least Lizzy album. Least I know. Yeah. I What's love the album cover though. Holy. Oh man, god, that's, damn. Oh, that's I got, so cool. You know, I got a T-shirt with that on it. It's my oh, favorite. that's yeah, hot. I've got, that's I've got hot. It. That's badass, the Black Panther. Do you, do, Mike, Mike, do you got Nightlife? Uh, physically, no, but I got it in my like digital library. It's cool. It's a grower. Like It's odd. Yeah. Because it is the first one with this lineup, but they don't really have the sound down like they got on this album. But there is that, you know, there's a Sha Na 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 Na. Yeah, that, I love that song. That's on yeah, that's Yeah. That's like, obviously, it sounds like that's the song that when they did that, they were like, oh shit, okay, let's, let's go. We got this, something going here. Let's that's go in this heavy. direction. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, like, that's the song that kind of, like, made them go, let's, let's go into this hard rock direction, you know? Um, but anyway, yeah, so Nightlife was a cool cover. Uh, but yeah, for the most part, yeah, I, Thin Lizzy didn't do covers much, but when they did, they made it their own. Uh, I'm a huge Bob Seger fan. I love Bob Seger. Now, the interesting thing about Rosalie, though, is um, this is on an album that's uh, out of print. You got to go on YouTube to listen to this shit. Um, it's actually the same album that had the studio version of Turn the Page. But, you know, that's not the hit. The hit's the live version from Live Bullet, like a lot of 70s albums. You know, the live version's the, the hit. So uh, I want you to want me. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, so turn the page. The hit version's the live version, but it, it's from this album from the early '70s. It's out of print that Bob Seger does not like. He doesn't like his singing on it, so he keeps it from being released. Damn. I, yeah, I listened to it. I think he's hard on it. It's not like one of his best albums, but it's decent. And and Rosalie's decent, but I I, I gotta agree with uh, both Mike and uh, Stephen. Even though I love Bob Seger fucking thin lizzie version shits all over it it's like <laughs> you know it, it, he t- you know t- thin lizzie just they kick up the tempo they make it more rocking phil sings it even better there's no fucking backup singers it's just it's the production's better it's just the song sings I, i'm sure bob seeger even when he l- listened to this he probably just smiled and went yeah 
Like, I got to step up the game. And then Bob Seger starts sounding better. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I think I think he was influenced by these guys. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it's an amazing... It's not even, like, one of my favorite songs from the album, but it's an awesome opener. It's an awesome opening track. Gets the party going. It's soaring. You wouldn't know it was a cover. You didn't know it was a cover because it sounds like a Thin Lizzy song. And that's the thing. Kind of like Van Halen. You know, when Van Halen does a cover, they just... Totally make it their own. It has it has the Thin Lizzy spirit and drive, and it's just a great fucking rock and roll song. You know, it make, makes me think. Even though it's spring, it makes me think of the summertime. You know, Rosalie's like a summertime song. Yeah, it's a summer song. Yeah, it's summer song. Hanging out, drinking some beers, flirting with some girls. You know, it's that kind of song. What do you think of it, Air? Oh man, it fucking rules. I mean, there's not much else I can add uh, that you guys haven't already added to it. It's just. I, I didn't know it was a Bob Seger cover until just today, and uh, you know I, I did what uh, you know Mike Sears did. I listened to the original, and uh, yeah, man, Thin Lizzy, man, they just took this song and they just they, they made it their own. You know, it, it sounds like a it sounds like a Thin Lizzy song, like Stephen was saying. I mean, just you, you would never guess that it was a cover because this sounds like something Phil would write. Uh, just just a fun song it is like a summertime song. Uh, the funny thing was when I heard it, the the guitar riff, and it reminds me so much of China Grove by the Doobie Brothers, which I love that song. Yeah, that's a great I, song. I was like, wait a minute, I need to pause this album and go listen to <laughs> China Grove real quick because I love that song. But really fun time song, man. He's singing about you know singing about this you know awesome chick, you know, kind of like you know the awesome chick I have in my life, my my cupcake. Uh, shout out to her. Uh, so yeah, man, it's just a killer song. Great way to start off the album. Nice. Okay, and then we're going to the second track. We'll go to Mike. For those who love to live. Oh, man. I absolutely love this song. It just sounds like a hit. It sounds like a hit, like I should have been on the radio. But, like I said at the top of the show, unfortunately, they got no love over here, man. But um, that riff during the chorus is amazing. Scott Garman and Brian Robinson, like I said, you know, guitar playing is excellent. Really good song, man. It just sounds like it could have been a single, you know? I agree. I agree. Love it. 100%. Amazing song. Yeah. Fantastic okay. song. Okay, actually, uh, Steven, what do you think of this song? Uh, I love it. Uh, I love the chorus to this song. Uh, it's a, and, and I think the story's cool as well. It's about a guy who's banging a chick who's not actually either married or got a boyfriend. Uh, <laughs> funny, It's a funny story, you know? And uh, my favorite part of the song, actually, is... Um, I think it's towards the end, you know, where the, the, the guitars, the, the dual guitars just kind of, it just keeps building and building and then yeah. an abrupt end at the end. Yeah. I, I just love that. I mean, they're really um, defining their sound on this album. Like, oh, on, yeah. on, on almost every song, you're like, okay, you know, this is, this is Scott and, and, and Robbo just really just like learning. Like, we know what we did on the last album. Let's step it up uh, a gear, you know, and you just hear it almost in every song. There's like songs within songs with their solos, you know. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. And um, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a brilliant song. I mean, two for two on this album so far. And um, I just have to say so because nobody's mentioned it yet. You know, I'm sure you know this, Edwin, but, you know, there's two covers for this album. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. I, I, I was going to touch upon that. Yeah, way better. The UK cover is so much better. I hate that US cover. Oh, uh, US cover is ass. It's, it's so the horrible. Co- the colors are shit on it. The, the way also, the band's standing. It's yeah. the UK one, the blue border and shit. The yeah. One. 
The, yeah, the one where they're they look more tough. They're all wearing jeans, and Phil's got like the bat. Is yeah, the that was yeah, so yeah. badass. <laughs> yeah, but like, they, it's it's just funny because that's the one. Also, you know, which is the one? I, I mean, it's so long since I've looked at the cover now. But I think is it the American version where it looks like they're all bloody? They've got like fake blood all over. Them, or is that the English version? Uh, maybe. I gotta look yeah. at this. Maybe I'm looking. I don't see. Uh, maybe no, they don't got any makeup or anything on. I don't see. It doesn't look like. Maybe they're. If you looked closer, maybe they are a little beat up. Yeah, the American I think, one is real bland. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, you have to look close. I do think he's right. But so that's kind of cool. But the thing is, they're just not standing in. I mean, it's all right. It's well, which is the? I'm trying to think now. The English version is the English. The color scheme's different, for one thing. The color and, scheme's well, way it's better. Completely different. It's a completely different picture. Then, I mean, Lizzie, yeah, they're different pictures. It's a totally different album cover. The, the UK one has more of a cool color scheme. It's like is blue. that the one where he's like, holding the baseball bat? Yes, he's holding yeah. the baseball bat. It looks yeah, like it looks... they're about to go. They're gonna fuck some people up. I think yeah, like Robbo has like a knife and uh, yeah, they're, they're like a has gang. like a pipe or something. It, yeah, and yeah, it's, it, like they're about to fuck some shit up. It looks. I think there's a bit of a bit of crappy blood on there as well whereas yeah, yeah the, the the american version they're just trying it's almost just like uh they're like hanging on a corner yeah 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 that's right no yeah. the british version is definitely yeah, the, the uk that's version the... the uk version just the the cover is so bad it just looks like they're like oh shit we need to make an album cover and we gotta release this album like in a couple days and they're just in front of an old abandoned building and they just snapped a picture real quick and they're just like totally just eh. Like, like, the I, other one's just so cool. It looks like the cover of, like, a fucking movie or something. They yeah, look like, like a gang in the Warriors or something. Well, no, wait, I think... The so, thing, the, the one where he's holding the... That, the one where it looks like they've had a fight, that's the English version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. the cool one. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah, so we agree. I even like how they, the words fighting pop on the yeah. yeah, oh my god, yeah. It's a great yeah. album cover. Well, I don't well, know why the like, fuck they would change... I, I don't understand why the American market went for this fucking weak one. I don't the, the, the other thing about Lizzie covers, while we're just quickly talking about covers, and I could never understand this, they rarely use the Lizzie logo. And it's a brilliant logo. Yeah, that's I, a great Their logo is like one of the best band logos they, in history. They never use it. They used it on Life Live. They used it on this one. I don't even think, I can't even think of another. Nightlife was a different logo. Yeah, they didn't have this one. They didn't use it on Renegade. They didn't use it on Thunder and Lightning. They didn't use yeah, it. Which they probably should have. That's another thing. Thin Lizzy, marketing. You got to be like ACDC and stuff or Iron Maiden. Work that fucking logo. Oh, it's such a good logo. They need to. And yeah. Then, bizarre. Very yeah, strange. They, they I always thought that was normal, you know? Yeah, you're right. I, I know they re when they re-released Black Rose, they put that logo on it. But the original didn't have that logo. I think it's important, especially at this period. It's important for bands to be recognizable for branding, and yeah, yeah. and they had a good logo, so it was stupid that they did, didn't do that. But and they, they had very shitty management. I think that's, yeah, yeah that would explain a lot of things. That's but, why, yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, here I just I gotta talk about this song for those who love to live because it's my favorite fucking song on the album. And he, I, maybe this is my favorite Thin Lizzy song. I don't know. I have to really? think about it. It's up there. It's in my top five. I can tell you. Don't you remember if we did this in the top it was, 25? It was number six. It was yeah. number six on our yeah. list. Because I was it, pushing it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, this song, uh, obviously, you know, like Mike and Steven said, this is like one of the signature songs where the, the signature guitar style, that dual tack that they're famous for, you know, that Robbo and Scott are doing. It's like all over this song. Interestingly enough, they didn't co-write it. 
the drummer, Brian Downey, co-wrote it, which is odd because you don't listen to the song and think the drummer co-wrote it. So I, I don't know how that happened exactly. And, and no disrespect to Brian Downey. He's a very underrated drummer. He's got a great swing. I love him. But it's it, I just thought that was odd when I saw that he was the co-writer for this song. But it's an amazing song. As Steven talked about, the lyrics are great. I always, you know, Phil had a lot of humor in his lyrics which i like but they were scrappy and real not pretentious but they were poetic you know they were very poetic they reminded me a little uh bon scott's lyrics at times you know or david lee roth or steven tyler in the 70s you know when it, it who wrote a lot of great lyrics in the 70s and they got that street quality to it you know like some guy knows what it's like and i i love the chorus uh, the the lie the chorus is great. You've got to you've got to give a little love to those who love to live. You got to take a little hate from those who have to wait. That's you know to me that's very poignant. That's a beautiful line. Like Mike said, he's a poet. That's fucking great yeah. lyrics. And there's always this undercurrent, even though they're like kind of simple street lyrics on the surface. There's always this undercurrent. There's this kind of sneaky undercurrent with Phil's lyrics, where there's something a little more profound uh, and, and and deeper beneath the lyrics. And I love the song and the way the guitars come in, and it's just and then you know it's more rocking. And then it, in the verses, you know it's you know this clean guitar and it's kind of. It's more soulful. It's like kind of a soul song. So it kind of veers between soul and hard rock and in a very fluid, organic way. Like not in a gimmicky kind of like, I don't know, like Chili Peppers kind of way, but more like in a just like you don't even think about it kind of way. It's just like, wow, this is kind of both a soul R&B song and a hard rock song. And the dual guitar lines are like very obviously very proto Maiden, you know, you know, mm. another band that Steven loves. You could totally hear Iron Maiden like listening to a song like this and like, yeah, like getting that, you know, especially once uh, they got the killers lined up and start doing the, you know, the dual uh, guitar attack. And it's an amazing song. And this is a song like, yeah, if I went to play someone a song that sounded like Finn Lizzy. This is a this is a song I would play for them. It's like this is Thin Lizzy. This is like the one of the ultimate Thin Lizzy songs, and it just has a feeling to it. And every time I listen to this song, I just love it. I think it's beautiful. I think it's a little like three minute masterwork on a larger masterwork of an album. What do you think of it, Eric? Oh man, dude. I mean, this is just a great song. Uh, you know, I, I like kind of the way it starts off. Like, you think this is gonna be a pretty like heavy song with that guitar in the gang, but then it just slows down, and takes like a left turn. But it, it's amazing. It's just beautiful, and I, I think that's one of the things too that really kind of hurt Thin Lizzy. Uh, it, it's not even a bad thing. It's it's big reason why I think they're such a great band. But it's you know, it's one of those things like metalheads listen to them and they're a little too soft for like metalheads. Or like you know, classic rock people listen to them, and maybe they're a little too heavy or uh, eclectic, you know. But uh, that that's what I think makes them so great is that they throw so many twists and turns at you, and you're not gonna hear the the same song all the time. And it's just so beautiful. There's also kind of like a, this like bounciness to the song, you know. And uh, I just love that twin guitar work, you know. And the cool thing with their twin guitar. You know, when we think of, like, twin guitar, you know, we think of, you know, Tipton and Downing, Murray and Smith, or Murray and Stratton, 
Uh, sorry, Stephen, for bringing that one up, but <laughs> you know, you, you think of all these metal bands, but man, when you listen to Lizzie, they did the twin guitar sound that influenced these guys, but they did it in so many different ways. There are so many different shades there, twin guitar playing, where they could do like a more softer like song like this with the twin guitars, but it just it just works. It's just so amazing. Um, you know, and Brian does some amazing drumming on this song. I think he's got such a great swing. Uh, in this song, it's just so phenomenal. It's just you know, it's a uh, you know, so far a great one-two punch to start off this album. All right, right on. Well, then we got the third track, Mike Sears. What do you think of Suicide? Man, the bravado and swagger that Phil has on this song is phenomenal. The guitar playing on here, great as always. Definitely one of my favorite songs on the album, and I love the story too. You know. Like the dude Peter Brandt actually killed someone, but the investigation was sloppy and they just labeled it suicide. Incredible. One of my favorite religious songs of all time. Straight up. Suicide is Chef's Kiss in my opinion. Oh yeah. Great tune. Yeah. So Steven, what do you think of suicide? Yeah, another classic. I was actually gonna say what Mike said with the lyrics that the, the I was going to say, he crams so much information into, like, just a couple of verses. Yeah. You, you just get the whole plot line, you know, exactly what's going on in the song. Um, he does that a lot, you know, and uh, it, 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 there's also, there's a, there's a lot of time changes in this song, and I, and I love that there's, like, a, about halfway through the song, there's a whole long, like, instrumental break that, um, and, you know, it just changes the complete tempo of the song. Then you got the solos in there, and I mean, God, I, there are not enough cool ways to describe the solos on uh, that Lizzie do. I mean, I know Robbo is very big on his wah-wah pedal. Like, I, I'm not good at telling who's who from the solos, but as soon as I hear that wah-wah, I'm pretty damn sure that that's Robertson. Um, but they're just... It's a great song. And then the other thing is with this, I'm surprised because when you listen to, like, Massacre on the studio album on Johnny the Fox and then you hear it on Live and Dangerous, it's like... Okay, I mean, the Live and Dangerous is way, way better. But this, on the studio version, on this album, it's it's, it's just killer. I mean, it's really got that great, like, you know... Because uh, I, I tend to like live versions a lot better, usually. Yeah. But, but this uh, is... And uh, Matsuko is, like, a typical song where the studio version is very weak, but the, the Live and Dangerous song is, like, a classic. But on, on this album, it's a classic on Live and Dangerous also, but it holds its own as a studio song as well. And um, I, I just think Lizzie were ahead of the time in, in the things that they did. Uh, I mean, look, I wasn't around at that time in the sense of when it was coming out. You know, I was born in 70. So it's like, yes, I was around at that time, but not really listened to it as it came out. But I don't know. I mean, I, I know that Lizzie have been compared a lot to a, a band I've never heard, actually, called Wishbone Ash. Uh, I never people, heard of that band. I've uh, heard that name before, but that, never well, heard that twin guitar sound. A lot of people say that Lizzie actually got it from them, or they were doing it around the same time. They're like a classic rock band from you know same era that never quite made it. But the co- I got to check them out one day because every time I read something about Lizzie in an old article, Wishbone Ash is mentioned. So I, I got to check that out. But um, so yeah, I, I just think that they were doing something different at the time and then what you were saying before eric or, or um yeah i think eric was saying this before was that the hard to label and i think that's also yes. the problem um you know are they rock are they metal are they 
you know, I mean, you know, when we did the top 25, Johnny the Fox meets Jimmy the Weed was number one, and that is my favorite Lizzie song. It's not rock, it's not metal, it's a no. bit of funk, it's everything. It's very funky. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's but it's, it's everything. I mean, that's, yeah. and I think, as, as cool as that is, like you said, I think a lot of people just like, you know, black or white, you know what I mean? Is it rock? <laughs> is it metal? Is it... And, and and that is what I love about Lizzie is no album sounds the same, no song sounds the same. You know, yeah, that, well, it's ooh. it's true, and I I think it's similar. I think in a lot of ways, Cheap Trick and Blue Oyster Cult had kind of the same issue, where their albums are very eclectic, and sometimes they might be like they're too heavy for the pop people, but maybe a little too poppy and eclectic for metalheads, you know. And so, it, unfortunately, yeah, like even like like. Metalheads would list a lot of metalheads, more close-minded metalheads anyway, would listen to for those who love to live, and they would think like, yeah, they like the opening part, the guitars, but then when it gets into the soulful, lighter verses, they'd be like, what the fuck, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's it's too bad because they're limiting uh, themselves. And suicide, I I agree totally with you, Stephen. It's actually I was going to bring it up if you didn't bring it up uh, because obviously it's one of the songs that gets uh, played on uh, Live and Dangerous, and that is a great version. But I can't say which one's better. They're both awesome in their own way. I I think one of the things is this production's so good. It's a nice bass heavy production. And so, and that really suits the song well. I guess you could say that the Live and Dangerous one's a little more hard rocking, although this is still pretty hard rocking. And this one comes across as a little bluesier. That's like the only kind of subtle difference between that and the audience noise. But yeah, this still really hits you. And obviously, as the guitar starts soloing and rocking out, it gets like heavier. And this is like a perfect song that's like that real bridge between like bluesy hard rock and and like 70s style heavy metal you know what yeah people metalheads might not call it metal today but like in 1975 songs like this might have been considered metal like this really straddles that line and with the dark lyrics too you know, i mean look look metallica still singing about suicide and look metallica obviously very influenced by thin lizzy uh and it's an amazing song. It's one of their best songs, and it's it's amazing. What do you think of Suicide, Eric? Oh man, Suicide! This is so freaking. Am- <laughs> Stop making fun of the way I say it. <laughs> Suicide! I can't say it correctly. Suicide is a killer song. Great '70s hard rock. You know, total fucking guitar song. I mean, this is uh, Gorham and Robbo really fucking shine on this one. And I love the way Phil, like, tells a story in this song. I mean, he, he tells stories in all of his songs. The man's a fucking poet, but uh, just his way, his the delivery of this song, like, the way he delivers those lyrics and the storytelling. I mean, this one was, like, number 16 on our, our list when we did the last uh, Thin Lizzy episode. I believe it was Top 20. Yeah. Uh, this one was, like, number 16. And this album actually dominated that, that list. There's so many songs we talked about that were on that list, and... Uh, Man, he just sounds like uh, he sounds like this rugged cop who's been on the streets for so long, and just like you know, he just he's so distraught and uh, upset over like everything going on. That's that's kind of the vibe I always get from him in this song. Uh, and just man, what a just a great fucking song. I love the emotion in Phil's voice. And again, man, just fucking Gorham and Robbo just going off on this song. I mean, there's some great guitar playing by them. Awesome, nice. Okay, so far we're we're digging every song. <laughs> okay, Mike, what do you think of 
Wild One, which was one of the singles from the album. I think actually it was just this and Rosalie, right? They were the two singles. Let me look at this. I believe. I'm going to get confirmation. Yep, Rosalie was the first single, and then Wild One was the se- This was the second single from the album. What do you think of Wild One, Mike? Man, Wild One. I love the riff on here. Like, Phil sings about the difficulty of being away from someone who you love. Musically, this song is great. Absolutely love that main riff, man. Incredible. Again, like, should have been a single, should have been on the radio. Yeah, well, it was so, a single, but they just didn't play it a lot. They should have. Yeah, <laughs> they should have. Yeah, it should have been, been a hit. It's a catchy song. <laughs> it, just, it has it all over it, you know? It yeah. has hit all over it, man. Yeah. The Wild One, stand out for me. Love it. Great tune. Awesome. What do you think of Wild One, Steven? Take your guess. <laughs> uh, it's great. I mean, I love the sentiment of the song. But like Mike said, it's about, you know, being away from somebody that you love. I, I don't know if it's true, but I heard that this was about his mother. I, I heard he wrote this about his mother. Um, and it's just very mellow. He's, you know, a lot of things that people never really mention his vocals. And, and I think he's a great vocalist. Um, you know, he can really rock out and rip it. And then he can also, he's got such a soulful voice as well. And you just, you believe every song, every word he says, you believe. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so he's just got a, very, a lot of passion with his singing. And he's not known for his vocals. That's, you know, he's not even known for his bass playing. I mean, and he's a great well, I, 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 I was going to gush all over his bass playing towards the end of this album. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I know. I, listen, I love him too. I love that too. But I'm yeah. just, you know, when you listen, you listen, you know, if you hear a list, top 10 bassists, you know, oh, it's Geddy Lee. Well, let's just Harry. face it. Overall, Phil is underrated. He's underrated. 100%. I think it's because, sadly, I think it's because he's he's such an amazing lyricist that people are so keyed in on how great of a lyricist he is and what a great poet he is with his songwriting that they they forget that what a what a great voice he has and then also too what a great bass player he is because he's just so good at writing fucking lyrics. You just listen to his bass lines though, like they they get overshadowed. They get overshadowed. Yeah. By the twin guitar sound, but that's the big thing. To, yeah, if you listen to the bass in the back in a lot of the songs, you know he's doing a lot of stuff there. It's not just you know. Oh no, he, yeah, he's, very, he's very McCartney-esque. He's like mm-hmm. walking all over the bass. He's doing a lot of very interesting bass lines, and he's but, got a great group. But I think I think the big reason that Stephen touched upon, I think even more so than the lyrics, Eric. I think the problem is when people think of Thin Lizzy after they think of the hit songs. They think of the the twin guitars. Yeah, I think that's a big thing. Even if they don't know the name of the guitarist, <laughs> even if they don't know it's Scott and Robbo, they just think twin guitars. Like that's like that's just where the mind goes to. That's like mm-hmm. their signature thing. And unfortunately, like whereas like let's say with Jimi Hendrix, you didn't think of a he was the one playing the guitar. Uh, and that's the thing. Phil's not playing the guitar, and, and B. It, you know, his style wasn't like summed up with one like thing. You know, whereas Thin Lizzy has a very distinct thing that the, that Robbo and Scott's doing that I feel like overshadowed a lot of what Phil was doing, which is unfortunate. Even though it all worked well and it was great, but yeah, I feel like people don't talk a lot, enough about him at first as a songwriter, but I think even yeah, maybe even more so as a singer and bass player. I mean, he's amazing singer he has a quality and this is no disrespect to Jimi hendrix who i love 
and think is also an underrated singer. You know, Ralph has said this before. Like, um, Jimi Hendrix is perfectly rated as a guitarist, mm -hmm. but underrated as a singer and songwriter. And I agree with that 100%. But, but the thing is, uh, as great of a singer as Jimi Hendrix was, I think Phil's better. Phil's like Jimi, but with more emotional range. You know, he has that jive. I was thinking about that suicide. It has that kind of jivey uh, quality that Jimi Hendrix had. That guy's like, you know, has lived life, you know, you know, and knows what you know life's like, and has that jive. But yet, Phil has this extra element of um, romanticism. And Jimi could be romantic too. Don't get me wrong. He had some great ballads. But I just think there's something a little more desperate and romantic to Phil's voice. That's just it's really captivating he's got one of the most amazing voices in rock and not enough people talk about it you know and also charisma this guy like if you've watched clips of him on stage and just just talking he's like one of these people kind of like bon scott you know or jim morrison like when he's talking he's just got this vibe like he doesn't he's just have to so say, smooth man just he doesn't have to say a word you know he has a presence prince was like this too he just has a presence you know like, and the funny yeah. thing is, he's he's super shy in in not yeah. off stage in real life. He's very shy. Yeah, and, yep. and very and, and very um he did he was very insecure about his singing and his playing and stuff like well, that. Jimmy Jimmy Hendrix actually was as well. He was very insecure about his singing. Actually, Jim Morrison was in the early days. He had oh yeah, he used to have his back, back was to the turned. stage the whole time. You know, there's something to be said for the guys who maybe at one time were like the social outcast or offbeat or something. Um, that maybe they weren't the coolest person when they were growing up. But then they become the rock star. And they become like the coolest motherfucker on the fucking planet. But there's still this side of them. So it's like, yeah, Phil, you get the sense that he's a very eternalized guy where all this passion is stuff like, yeah, he might be shy to tell someone about, but he'll belt it out in a song. Yeah. Know? And that's the power. And yeah, he's an amazing, amazing artist. And Wild One is another great song that I just think sums up Phil so much as an artist. Yeah, I can't believe th this should have been a hit. 1975? This sounds like it'd be perfect for 1975. It's, you know, you got, again, you got the twin guitar. But again, like Eric was saying, it's like later metal acts, and nothing against it. You know, we love Priest and we love uh, Maiden, especially their early stuff. Uh, but we, you know, we love the, we, you know, it's like we love that that that, you know, dual guitar attack, you know, with metal bands. But there's something different with what Scott and Robbo do are doing because they can do it. Oh, it's like jazzier. Like they can do it over soul soul music and lighter songs and ballads. Mm -hmm. and Wild One's another. Wild One's essentially a ballad. It's like a rock ballad. But with the twin guitar lines, it just elevates it so it's not like this wimpy ballad. It's like this ballad with balls, and <laughs> Phil sings it. And and obviously, it does sound um, similar to what, at least in the in Europe, in the UK, they did have a hit with um, uh, you know Whiskey in the Jar. And I would say this sounds similar. It sounds like Phil was kind of like, hey, that I should write like a song. And that one was, you know, old folk standard that they put their stamp on. That was an original one. So this was kind of like Phil doing an original version of a song, kind of like Whiskey in the Jar. Uh, that Whiskey in the Jar, by the way, that was a song I would hear sometimes too, especially after Metallica covered it. You would sometimes hear that their version, the original on the radio sometimes. But never Wild One. And I was just like, well, people like Whiskey in the Jar, fucking play Wild One. I think it's even better. 
even better than Whiskey in the Jar. I think by this point, the band were stronger. The music's great. So, so it's wistful. And I said this before in a, when we did the top 25. Another influence I hear from Phil is it sounds like he probably liked like what I would say is like kind of dangerous doo-wop music from the early 60s, like stuff like Del Shannon, like Runaway Ooh. and stuff. Nice. You know, this feeling of a, or the Wanderer, you know, stuff like that, like Del Shannon shit, where it's like, like romantic, like, like a, like, like kind of rebel without a cause type shit, like James Dean shit. The romanticism yeah. of the street thug that falls in love with a girl, you know, even like West Side Story kind oh of shit. Oh my God. Yeah. I love that shit. You get a lot of that, Phil. Like, you just get that vibe. Like, Roy Orbison's a little like that, too. You mm. get a lot of th- I hear a lot of that. It sounds like that's the music that really connected with him when he was a young man, you know, or uh, like a kid growing up. And, yeah, Wild One to me sounds like it could have been this doomed 60s ballad. Like, I could see, like, David Lynch doing, like, a video for this, like, with people dressed up like the 50s, but then they drive into, like, you know, hell. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's got that vibe to it. But, man, it's amazing. What do you think of Wild One, Eric? Oh, my God. So this was another one that was on our, our top 20 episode. And uh, at the time, I, I when I when I heard it, I liked it. But uh, I, I wasn't that big of a fan. But, man, today listening to it was awesome. Maybe it just connects with me because it is a song about – you know, being away from someone you love, and uh, oh my god, I'm just, you know, I'm in love with this chick, man, she lives all the way in Colorado, though, and uh, oh my god, though, man, I talk to this chick every day, so this song, like, made me think about her, uh, was, oh my god, man, just, it's so beautiful, and Edwin, I like the way you, I like the way you put that, is this like a song about, like, you know, the James Dean, like, kind of badass who falls in love with the chick, because, as we all know, I'm a hopeless romantic deep down side, so I like yeah. that kind of, I like that kind of mushy shit, you know? But uh, goddamn, dude, it's just so beautiful, and just Phil just sings his heart out on this one. It's just so, it's so beautiful the way he sings this one, and the music accompanying it is just it's it has like this almost like fluttering kind of sound, like like it's like you know you get the feeling that you're like floating in the air, dreaming while listening to this. It's like just dreaming about being with that one you want to be with, like you know my cupcake. You know I want to be with her right now, so. Just like goddamn, it's like just daydreaming about wanting to be with that that girl that you're just crazy about, and I just I love this song. Second favorite on the album. My favorite still, it's coming up. <laughs> uh, it's it's not this one, but goddamn, this is probably looking at this. Uh, this might be my third favorite. I okay, really nice, do love nice. it. Yeah, it's a beautiful it made it to song. number six on our, our countdown. Yeah, and this and when this was on the greatest hits that I had, and I re- when I had that greatest hits, it was one of my favorite songs from it. Uh, but yeah, it's it's an amazing song. So, so okay, so far it's like we all love every song on this album. Okay, now this I have a feeling we're gonna like this one too because it does something that Eric and I like, where it's the title track that's not really a title track, but Hell is yeah. a t- but is a title track in a way. <laughs> Fighting my way back. I want to say one thing. I'm not gonna talk about the song on a whole, but I just want to say sequencing is great on this album. You know, I just I think every song leads into the next song perfectly. And that's another sign of a classic great album is the sequencing. You know, it's a big part of it, you know, and every song just hits you. And that's the thing. Fighting My Way Back is such a great song to follow Wild One. And it's a great way to wrap up. I guess I am talking about it. OK, there you go. I'm starting. <laughs> it's a great way just to wrap up the fucking first side. It's it's a tough rock and roll, fun, hard rock and rock and roll song about fucking fighting. 
you know? It's like the the street thug, you know, he's getting over romantic, you know, with uh, with the woman in Wild One, but then he goes out like West Side Story shit, like I said, or you know, now he's going off and getting into a street fight, you know, and he's James like, Dean or something yeah. driving his sports is a uh, hot rod <laughs> yeah. or something, you know? Yeah, it's like this is now where he gets into trouble in the movie. You know, and because he's got to, he's got to, you know, he's got his boys back, you know, so he's got to get into some shit. And it, 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 it just, a lot of these songs are short. Like, this is three minutes, but it's like this epic fucking, it's like a fist fight of a song. It's a brawl. I fucking love it. It's just tough, hard rock. I'd, I'd say it's like a mid-tier song, but it, it's it's a great way to end the, the, the first side, and I love it. What do you think of Fighting My Way Back, Mike? Man, I love the aggression of this song. I just love when Phil says fighting and it goes dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Oh, it's fucking great, man. Such a good song. Great drumming from uh Brian Downey on here. In my opinion, like the unsung musician in this band is Brian Downey. Oh, damn yeah. right. Yeah, he's he's incredible, man. And again, the guitars are fucking heavy on here, man. Love this song. And when Phil says fighting my way back. Oh man, incredible. It's like a punch, yeah. punch to the face. It <laughs> is really yeah, is. excellent, man. Awesome. What do you What do you think, Stephen? This is the worst song on the album. Oh, what? Yeah. You, oh my god! No, I'm just fucking with you. It's oh, the best song Jesus. on the album. <laughs> <laughs> like Stephen not liking a Thin Lizzy song. What's What's happening to the well, world? One of the songs has to be your least favorite. That doesn't mean it's the worst, though. No, no, no. This is This is my favorite song. It's on the dope, album. but this is your favorite. Oh wow! Yeah, no, and and I, what makes this song great? And Mike touched on it, and I've said this whenever I talk about Lizzie. Downey, Downey makes this song. He mm-hmm. pushes it over there. I mean, the drumming in the song is just ridiculous. Um, and also, I love uh, Phil. We were talking about Phil's voice before, but when he's, you know, when he's yelling, fighting my way back, and it's like almost like gravelly. But then he goes much smoother when he's doing the, the verses and stuff. Um, he's just, you know, it's it's just great the way he sings it. And you know, it's him being his tough guy again. You know, like he likes to be. And uh, but no, that the. Downey steals this song and he he takes a great song to another level for me. So brilliant, my, definitely my favorite song on the album. Awesome. So Eric, what do you think of "Fighting My Way Back"? Oh, the song kicks ass, man. So yeah, after a beautiful like kind of ballady kind of song like "Wild One," you got kick back into the hard rock, man. Just holy shit, man. You know the the drumming. I mean, my God, the drumming though. Holy shit. Like, just, you know, everyone talks about the twin guitars, and then we just talked about, you know, how, you know, Phil's so underrated as a, you know, a singer and a bassist, but then, oh my god, the drumming, it's like, like, fuck, this, this whole band is just, like, firing on all cylinders, and everyone's just contributing something, like, everyone is just a master at what they do in this band, that, that drumming just kicks so much ass, I love Phil's delivery on this song, just a, kick-ass song and it's just I mean, this album i mean like is there even gonna be a bad song on here i mean like is there gonna are they capable of making a bad song i don't think so i i don't think so not in this period i don't <laughs> think, I, I, I i i don't think from uh nightlife to um black rose any songs are bad but hey spoiler yeah there you go. <laughs> i think i think all those albums are flawless um so okay now we're flipping this record over Mike, what do you think of King's Vengeance? Oh, man, fantastic Lizzie song. Like, Phil's style of songwriting 
is amazing on here. Like I said, you know, he's like a poet. And I love that this line is just so fantastic to me. Spring she comes and spring she teases. Bring summer winds and summer breezes. Fantastic, bro. I just love the way Phil sings that, man. And I love the guitar playing again. It's just a fantastic song musicianship-wise. And it's my favorite song on the album, hands down. This wow. shit. Yeah, incredible. Incredible. Nice, nice. Yeah, what, what, do you, what do you think, Stephen, of King's Vengeance? Uh, yeah, I love the acoustic style intro as well to this song, the way the way that it starts, and also this is um, this is one of the few songs that Scott, you know, is involved in. He doesn't, you know, he's he got co-writing credits for sure, but uh, but this one, you know, he actually I think he had a lot more to do with this song because he covered this, and if you call covering your own song, he did when he had a band called Twenty One Guns. I don't know if you ever heard them. And they cool. did. Uh, they did two albums. It was him, and uh, they were okay. You know, they were nothing special. But he actually did this song on the second album, uh, and it was, it's a great version. I mean, it's not dissimilar to this. It's just not Phil singing. Well, he probably, yeah, he probably because the, he has that acoustic opening. So I'm guessing he probably wrote that part, and then maybe some of the other parts. Like, so he probably wrote like the the, the core of the song. I would yeah. Think. Yeah, he he does also co-write the the last two tracks too. The yeah, second, no, the side no. two represents the song right more than um. Side yeah, one. but later on in Lizzie, you know, if you go yeah. through all the stuff, he's considering. Yeah, you know, he just I don't think he's. You know, I'd have thought there'd been more from him actually, but uh, but there isn't. But I'm, but then I'm always dubious. I, I'm always, I, I find it very strange that. I know I'm trying to think of some offhand songs now, but you know Phil is credited with almost every single song, and I, so, I got what you're saying. But you and think a lot of them are the by himself. Yeah, yeah, a lot of them are by himself. Like his, song, and I'm like, come on, he, he did all the drumming parts. That like I, because I have a story. Um, I know not personally, but you know, have you heard of Lawrence Archer? No, not not offhand. I don't, okay, I don't so think. he was in UFO for a while. He was in Grand Slam. He was okay. a young kid with Grand Slam. You know, Grand Slam was after Lizzie. I, okay, okay. But you know the song Dedication? Yeah, I know that. Yeah, that's on the. that was on my greatest hits I had. And that's credited to Phil. But Lawrence Archer wrote it. Hmm. So I, I, I wonder... I don't know if you... Grand Slam... Lawrence Archer reformed Grand Slam. Uh, and they brought an album out a few years ago. And it's got... I don't know if you know the Grand Slam songs that, that Phil used to sing, you know, Crime Rate, um, 19, all that stuff. And no, you know, I should check that out. Uh, it's it's good. It's, it's weird at first because it's like you used to Phil singing them or, you know, I had all bootlegs of them. Um, but he wrote them all and he wrote with Phil. And he, he I remember reading an article, something on Facebook and I'd commented on something and, and his his wife commented that she basically she was basically pissed off because phil gets all you know for dedication gets all the credit but he didn't even she said he didn't even write it that, that lawrence did and lawrence was in um ufo for a couple of albums as well yeah well you know sometimes with these things some the truth is somewhere in the middle sometimes like they might be overstating like oh he didn't write any of it but maybe he did co-write it but then he, 
the guy yeah, but, but I'm just saying but yeah. what I'm saying is Phil gets the sole credit for it you know yeah well so yeah it's interesting but there are songs where the others do get the credit so it is interesting I mean you listen to wild one for example and you go well you know their twin guitar lines are kind of a, a big part of the song but yeah it's just him but well, I'm, so it's interesting how they obviously the behind the scenes they came upon some kind of agreement on what designated who got a songwriting credit yeah you know? well i i also um saw on uh, a read somewhere with emerald they're all credited with writing emerald but downey didn't have anything to do with it and as a birthday gift phil gave him a Credit. <laughs> maybe, that's why, maybe that's why he's got for those who love. But I, I wonder. I wonder if I know it's going off topic slightly, but I wonder if they have a deal. You know, when okay, you're in my band now. Anything you bring to me, it's going under my name. Because I mean, look at Ozzy. Yeah, well, yeah, Lee and all that. yeah. Well, and it was Phil, and it was Phil's band when they mm-hmm. were entering. You know, yeah, that's sorry. the thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, that that works sometimes like that, but. I mean, obviously, there's a certain style to Phil Lynott's songwriting that you could still hear at the core, even if maybe maybe some of the guys could have got some extra credit. You know, that stuff's always very tricky to a certain artist. You know, there's a period like with The Doors, their first couple albums, it's just The Doors, you know? And, but yet, like, Robbie Krieger wrote Light My Fire, like their biggest hit, you know? Yeah. And, like, Jim Morrison didn't even write the lyrics to that song. But it's credited to Doors, and but you know they were fine with that. They were fine with it until Robbie Krieger started writing songs that Jim didn't like, like tell all the people, and then he's like, you know what? Let's split up the, the credits. Right. <laughs> you know what? Don't put my fucking name on that. <laughs> <laughs> but prior to the soft raid, yeah, they were all everything was the Doors, you know. So it's interesting, you know. Bands got to work out certain things and whatever, but. But back, bringing it back to King's Vengeance, uh, which does have both Scott and you know Phil writing this one. I love it. This was a song too. It's not one of those songs that initially I paid a lot of attention to. I mean, I always thought this was a solid album and I liked everything on it. But this is one of those. This is the difference, in my opinion, between a good album and a great album. A good album. You always like like the same songs, all your favorite songs, and then there's other songs that you listen to, and you kind of feel the same about them. To me, a great album is it's like it's always a new discovery every time you listen to it. There's always some deeper track that maybe a few years prior wasn't one of your favorite songs, but now it's become one of your favorite songs. You know, so it's like Back in Black's like that. You know, uh, where there's like certain songs that you know become your favorite song after years of listening to it. There aren't the same songs that they were 10 years ago. And Fighting's like that. And King's Vengeance is totally like that. That's a song I kind of never really paid much attention to. But I was listening to this tonight, and now this is my fourth favorite song on the album. It's a bitch. Yeah, it's amazing. I love that acoustic bikini. It's so unique. And this is where... Yeah, a lot of people, like, sometimes Thin Lizzy sounds Irish in a very obvious way, you know, like Emeralds and stuff, or Black Rose, you know, uh, the, they, where they they do the, the Irish jig stuff, you know, the Iron Maiden, you know, does a lot these days. <laughs> oh, know, my they, God. They, they do the, the Irish jig thing, and that's fine, because, you know, they're Irish guys, so, you know, they're representing. But then there's ways where they're kind of, that Celtic Irish influence is kind of in there in more subtle ways. And King's Vengeance is like that, you know? It's folk, it just sounds like a song that only Irish guys would write. 
You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, it's folky, but it's not in that more obvious kind of, you know, dance around the, you know, the pot of gold thing. That's <laughs> <laughs> like the Stonehenge. Right. Yeah, yeah, but if I, you know, but it's kind of more subtle Celtic folk music, but like new, a new kind of Celtic folk rock, you know, where they're mixing up rock and, and the lyrics are great. I could see Dio covering this, you know, King's mm, mm. There's just stuff. It's a really cool song. I really grew to love it. It's my four favorite song on the album now. I think it's great. What do you think of it, Eric? Oh, the song fucking rules. There's nothing else I can I can add. You know, after you guys just went off about it, uh, yeah, it's just it is. It's like really folky sounding. Uh, it's just a total killer song. And uh, yeah, it's this one's it's it's one of their folkier like songs, kind of like you know what they would you know they do a lot of those traditional like kind of Irish jig songs. Whereas this one's more it's it's very subtle, but you can still hear it. And uh, it's funny you mentioned like Dio could cover it because like I get like vibes like some of those you know rainbow songs yeah um like some of those rainbow songs you know like Temple of the King and whatnot where they're very like uh it's like Richie trying to do like folky medievalish kind of sounding music I get that kind of vibe from the song but it's just totally fucking awesome this is one you know because this is an album I actually borrowed from my my uncle Len because I was trying to get into uh, uh, Thin Lizzy. Um, you know, I was trying to do like a deep dive and, you know, I, I didn't get Thin Lizzy at first, you know, I, I'd heard like some of the hits and liked it. And this album was one of the first full albums I listened to besides Jailbreak. And it, it took me a while because, you know, like I was just a metalhead. I wanted to just hear like heavy, like hard stuff or I wanted to hear sleazy stuff, you know, whereas the hair metal or where I wanted something real heavy, like thrashy. Um, so, so it just kind of, it, it missed the mark with me. It's something like I, I, I grew as I grew and mature. Uh, I was able to go back and listen to it with a new set of ears and really, like, appreciate it. And this was kind of one of those ones, because I'm thinking, like, you know, King's Vengeance. I'm thinking this is going to be, like, a heavy song. I'm thinking all of those twin guitars are going to be ripping, you know, and it, it wasn't exactly that. So, like, I, I didn't get it at first, but now it's just, like, this song is just, it's brilliant. I mean, this band is just, they're, they're fucking geniuses, man. Great song. Awesome. Okay, I want to take the next song, because... As if you recall from like the top twenty-five, and this this is, is on there, <laughs> yeah, of course, because it's it's a big one with me. Spirit slips away is easily my second favorite song on this album. I mean, it's pretty much my top songs are for those who love to live, and Spirit slips away. They're very close, you know. It's tough to decide what's my favorite. I always kind of give for those who love to live a slight edge, but man. This song is damn close, you know. Spirit slips away, fucking hell. It's just one of those songs, and this is a song I loved instantly. You know, it's one of those songs I like to say. You know, when you hear a song the first time, you go, "God damn, that's a good goddamn song." <laughs> <laughs> this is a song. This is not a grower like King's Vengeance. This is like a good goddamn song right out of the gate. The first time I listened to Fighting, I was like blown away by this because, man, and this is so. It takes even what they were doing for, for those who love to live even further in the sense of the heaviness mixed with the lightness because it's both heavier and lighter even than that song. Like it starts off, it's pretty much like doom metal in the beginning. That riff is like a very doomy riff. Dun dun dun, dun dun dun, and then it gets so angelic and light. And like you said, Eric, like where you feel like you're floating. Yeah, I get that vibe from this song too. I was in my oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like it's like it's like you're like 
it's and I think it's it's about dying. You know, that's the thing, and it's about like the dun dun dun, like the earth, like you being killed, and then you're floating. <laughs> you know, you're becoming a spirit and something more. You know, uh, ethereal. You know, and it, it's beautiful, man. The the way the guitars when it gets into the clean guitar, and again, not in a kind of gimmicky or more pronounced thing like it was very popular in the 90s and nothing gets it you know i love a lot of that shit nirvana metallica and stuff like that but you know when they do like the light to heavy light to heavy it's like you can kind of hear the pedal being kicked in a way if you know what i mean like like you could like like you're very aware of the heaviness coming in from the lightness like it's a it's a thing happening whereas here, all I can say is there's something very organic about it. Like you're not thinking of the band hitting a pedal. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just like it's like it's like you're just experiencing something. Like a movie. It's more like watching a movie where there's suddenly a plot change, you know? If it's a well-made movie. You're not really thinking of how they do this. You're just so involved in the song emotionally and spiritually. And it's just, it's such a high level musicianship. Like I said, to me, these guys, these cats are playing like jazz musicians where there's this, just this, this dexterity and it's just very fluid. It's just very loose and fluid. And it just, it's, you can't really, you know, it takes a certain level of expertise to be playing at this level. And, but yet they make it sound so easy. That's the thing. It just sounds so beautiful. The lyrics are profound. Some of Phil's best. And, I, I think it's one of the greatest rock songs ever written, and it transcends rock because it's just—it does so many. It's also kind of like a dark soul song meets meets a doom metal song. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very so, Sabbathy. Yeah, it's very unique, very unique. You know, and Sabbath at their best moments, mixed especially in the mid '70s, they start mixing in a little jazz too and throwing in those curve walls. Mm-hmm. And this right, is amazing. That's when they got better. Yeah, it, it's amazing stuff. Uh, yeah. So, what do you think of? Spirit slips away, Mike. Absolutely love it. Very dark, like you said, man. You know, very dark, brooding feeling to the song. I love that riff in the beginning. That din, 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 din. Incredible, man. Just great song. Again, you know, Downey, amazing drum beat on the song as well. Fantastic tune. Love this song. Heavy as awesome. fuck. Dark as fuck. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think, Stephen? Um, you said unique this song, right? Because and, and I, I think I class this as a strange song because I, I do love it, but I don't like that opening beginning. I wish it would really. Just, yeah, yeah. I wish it would just start like at the slow bit. You know, where it, it kind of you know when it transitions. I always find it weird that it, it just doesn't seem to. It's strange, and yet they reprise it throughout the song. Um, yeah, I think it's about the contrast. That's the and, thing. Yeah, but yeah. well, when, when Stephen, you, you have a problem with that intro, but you like those like like twenty minute long acoustic Iron Maiden intros, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, I mean, look, completely different kind of music, but, but I mean, yeah, this is actually I good. Completely, completely. <laughs> no, I'm I'm not saying. I, look, I li- when I listen to this song, I love the song. I'm just saying. It's a weird song for me because at the well, beginning, it is an unusual song. Yeah, it so is. when it when it starts with that heavy like doom laden thing, but then goes into the the slower, I prefer the slower part. So I could easily just you know if they took if I heard a version where that beginning wasn't there, I'd be fine with it. But yet later on in the song when they bring it back, it sounds right. I, it's just I don't know if it's just a shock to the system when it starts like that, 
because it's nothing like the song. Do, do you know what I'm saying? It's it's just. It's I know, just but great. that's what's awesome about. It. I, I I'm not look. I love the song. Don't get me wrong. And and I love <laughs> I love the lyrics. I'm just. I'm just saying it's an unusual song. That's- I see it, like I said, it's almost like cinematic. I see it as like, I don't know, it makes me think of things like you're standing on like a rocky mountain and it's like the riff is the rock and then he looks up to the sky and the, the verses are the sky in the clouds. It's like, it's earth and sky. It's very spiritual in a yeah, lot of ways. Yeah, it's just, it's un- again, I'm not saying I don't like it. I, I love it. I just think it's a very unusual song for them, you know? And, and I like when they're doing the background vocals, like there's a lot of oohs and stuff like that, and, you know, harmonies in the background. Very, very slight. It's almost, I, I wasn't sure if it's like, is it the guitar or is it is it harmonies or some kind? Of, and I think it's it's backing vocals, very slightly, especially like over the, like it's a very haunting guitar solo in there, and yeah. and it's a great song. It's just I don't know. I just think that beginning just completely throws me. How it just so dra- dramatically changes. You know, no, I got, it might take you a few more years. You've only been listening <laughs> I've only to had it for like, like 40, 40 only forty years listening to it. <laughs> the funny thing is, when you just said, you know, nineteen seventy-five, you mentioned before, and I was just thinking, like, holy shit, it's almost fifty years old. This song was written, but that's insane to think that it's almost fifty years old, and it's I, more I, advanced than most of the music nowadays. Yeah, opinion. it's just, it's just, it's just mind blowing. I and mean, then you think to yourself, what bands? And I mean, in any genre, not just rock, but Who's going to be like? There's not much stuff that you'll listen to today that 50 years from now people are going to be mass. I mean, yes, you'll have, always have your favorite band, but are people going to be talking about, I don't know, fucking Pink in 50 years time, or, or you know what I'm saying? Like in any genre. I, 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 I yeah. Well, it was a it was a fucking cultural renaissance. You know, fucking late 20th century. There's like rock music and just music in general. Music in general was like very yeah. important in a way it's not now now it's like background shit for people right and so yeah it's, it's just different time like you hear this is music made at a time when music was very fucking important and people took the time you know why would they bother to take the time to do something like this if people are just going to be fucking well i think people were know? more adventurous as yeah. well back yeah. then well, yeah well because well that's a whole other topic but yeah everything wasn't run by big you know, global right. cor- corporations. You had, a, you, had a three, <laughs> you had a three or four album deal, and you had time to get, you know, fight, you know, hone your craft to and get. And things and through. industries were actual the industry they were. Like record labels were run by record people, right. and, like, and you, they, they were, were all under some corporate umbrella. You know, yeah, but they were just playing, looking at the bottom. But a lot line. of times they were playing the long game. Now it's like okay, oh well, yeah, that's the thing too. Know? Yeah, they would invest in bands. You right. know, they that just they doesn't happen. Up. Yeah, look at that, Thin Lizzy. If they didn't invest in them, you would have never yeah. got the jailbreak. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. that was my point, yeah. You just don't yeah. get it. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> well, well, great so- song. Great song. Just thought I'd, you know. Just have a, no, all very uh, good comments, Stephen. You're doing good. You're doing good. It's almost like you're a great guy to have on for a Thin Lizzy episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Eric, Eric, what do you think? I know you're going to love this song, too. Come on, fucking gush over. What do you think? It's Spirit Slips Away. Actually, no, I hate to. No, let's get the fuck out of here. This one fucking rules. Uh, this, this, this was this was this was another one that made. I mean, this album, like, I'm not lying. This album dominated our list uh, for that last episode. And God, God damn it, go check out that episode uh, after this one. But uh, Spirit Slips Away, like, just I, I love the opening, man. I love how 
how the the different shades you know it's it's light but then there's darkness and that that opening man it's like some star wars shit going down like like the fucking empire's coming to you know fuck your shit up you know it's just yeah. so evil like this force is coming but then it goes into this gentle music with, with phil singing and uh and when you point out it is like a it's like a song about death almost because the beginning it's like terrifying it's scary you know, like, I imagine, like, you know, like, if you're dying or something, I mean, it's kind of terrifying, but then eventually you just let go, and then and you get, like, that that peacefulness, like, you're no longer in pain, you know, and whatever you may believe in or whatnot, you know, you're going to heaven, whatnot, I don't know, but, like, you're just, you're flying, and, like, the music, it just, it's very, it's much like a wild one, it's very floaty, like, you feel like you're on a cloud, and you're just flying without a care in the world, man, it's just... <clears throat> And I love the contrast with that, you know, the gentleness of like uh, the gentleness of that, but with the doomy, like Sabbathy kind of stuff. It's just, it's so awesome. It's so unique, and just so, um, just it, it's like a, I don't know, man. It's just like the song just puts pictures in my head. It's like it, it's like I can just close my eyes and just visualize all this stuff happening when I listen to this song. It's such, such a amazing atmosphere, and just man, this. This band's on a fucking roll right now with this fucking album. Yeah, all right. Well, okay. I'm I'm gonna start off with the next one because I'm gonna. Right. I'm curious what the other people think about this. But I gotta say, listen. I don't think there's a bad song on this album. So there you go. It's my favorite Thin Lizzy album this week, and I think it's great. I don't think there's a bad song on this album. But one song has to be my least favorite, right? I don't think the worst. I'm not going to use the word worst, but it's my least favorite song. This is my least favorite song on the album, Silver Dollar, which Robbo wrote by himself. Just not even line it. Maybe he didn't want to have a co-writing credit on this one. <laughs> He's like, you know, Robbo, you could just have this one. It's like, you sure? I thought the deal was you get, nah, we can, you know, don't worry about the deal. You, you got this one. <laughs> But it's it's a good song. It's a good song. Band's great. It's fucking Thin Lizzy. It's 1975 Thin Lizzy playing it. So really, I don't know. You could give these guys any shitty song and they'll make it good. And that's kind of what happened here. Robbo gave them kind of a shitty song. And they're Thin Lizzy in 1975. So they make it a decent filler track. It's a decent filler track. Some cool guitar work. You know, Robbo's doing some cool stuff. You know, Phil's vocals are great. Drama, you know, Thin Lizzy in 1975, so it sounds good. It's just a little oddbeat, little bluesy kind of number, some guitar effects. It's, you know, Phil's jiving the lyrics, so it sounds cool. It, it's a decent enough track for, for, for the middle of side two. Like, again, this album's sequence perfect. If, like, Silver Dollar was, like, the third song on side one it'd be like what the fuck but but here it's like okay we're we're winding up a little bit you know we're winding down the bartender's telling okay you know you got like another hour and then the lights coming on so the party's almost over but anyway that's what i think it's silver dollar but i'm curious what everyone else thinks what do you think mike uh my sentiments actually like mirror yours you know not too crazy about it just kind of got that funky feel to it kind of bluesy as well but overall not one of my favorites man my least favorite all right there you go yeah, didn't really Jesus. fuck with this on that much you know? yeah so what do you think steven um so i actually wrote down um i because i wrote a couple of notes but i i said you know written by robbo and i said it's the most non-sounding lizzie song on the album <laughs> um, yeah, i can see and, that yeah. yeah and i said it's not my favorite song it's definitely the weakest song on the album 
Um, yeah. It does work. I mean, I, it's okay. I don't dislike yeah, it's, it. Don't it's all right. It. But, um, yeah. I, my favorite part of it, actually, is the very, very beginning where they're just like, it sounds like they're just goofing around, little soloing right at the very start of the song. Um, but it's an odd choice. I mean, it's, it, I don't know. I mean, maybe they were short of songs at the time to well, use this. I'll and, and, say this, but let's bring up the up B side right now. Uh, uh, is half cast, yeah. um, which isn't great, but I do think it's better better than Silver Dollar. It's a reggae song, and yeah. it's it, it might have added an interesting different color, a little like Houses of the Holy Mike, which we uh, talked oh, about, yeah. you know, Jamaica. Jamaica. I feel like half cast. It's if there's one thing I would have done differently if I was them, I probably would have put half cast here and made silver dollar the b-side but you know maybe you know phil was throwing robbo a bone like maybe there was some band politics like gotta give robbo one song you know but yeah i think half cast is a little bit better but you know not so much better that it's like an outrage but if i had to pick i mean do you guys know that song you know half cast yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah but yeah so yeah i'd give that song a slight edge but you know yeah, it is. It sounds like we're all kind of feeling the same way. I'm curious, Eric, what do you think of Silver Dollar? I like it a lot more than you guys. <laughs> this isn't my least favorite song, yeah, but it's very different sounding. But uh, I, I love it, man. It's it's definitely it's the most least uh, Thin Lizzy sounding song on the album, which makes sense, you know, because uh, Phil had nothing to do with it. But I mean, it's really good. I like it. It's kind of get like kind of a Leonard Skinner vibe off of it, actually. Um, and then also there's some really great, like almost Beatle-like kind of harmonies in it. I, I think it's a really good song. Um, yeah, it's just you know I, I think too it's just fatigue because you had so many classics that you know like just banger after banger after banger that you get this song, but this one's really good. I I really love this song. So that, that's I, I get if I had to rate it, I'd give it like a five out of five. Did we get to your least favorite? Oh, uh, my, my least favorites, uh, it, it, it's one of these songs. One of them is my least favorite, and one of them is my favorite, so, yeah. Uh, so oh, we didn't get to your favorite yet? No, so we're gonna, okay. one of these two very songs is gonna be my least favorite, and then one of them's gonna be my favorite, so, yeah. Wow, so it's Steven. very extreme for you at the end. <laughs> yeah, so Steven, how, how about you take the next song, Freedom Song? Um, well, after the downstepping quality from... Uh, Silver Dollar uh, this just brings it right back up again this is a great song um, and the funny thing is that this song has always reminded me of when I was younger there was a TV show on that I know it's been around for years and it's on in America now it's all called Top Gear I don't know if ever, you know the yeah, movie I know Top Gear right Top Gear and I'm pretty sure so <clears throat> I the, the sound the original soundtrack when I was watching it as a kid I loved the song it was and it it always sounded like Lizzie to me and I never thought of it over the years and just today I thought I've got to find out what that song is and it's by um, the Allman Brothers and it's an instrumental called Jessica yeah, and, I know that song ooh yeah. that's a good and song it, and it yeah. sounds just like it, I mean it could fit on this album perfectly um, and, and that's why how I feel about Freedom Song I, I, it's just it's a great song um, it's just a great vibe. I, I just think it's a it's a great song, and especially again coming up after Silver Dollar, which slightly just you know levels it down a little bit. Uh, yeah, I love this song. Uh, it's just a just a great great song. I mean, it's 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 a classic sounding song for this album and this era of Lizzie. And um, yeah, check out Jessica if you've not heard it because I was like, holy shit. Oh, a yeah, I, I know that's a lot. I got the, that. The I got all my brothers. Is, compilation it, is it an instrumental song. or is it just an instrumental for the that TV show? 
No, is this an not? instrumental for it's an instrumental. Is it, is it? Is it instrumental? I think I so. It, yeah, I listened to it today and it was instrumental, but I'm just wondering if maybe I heard the version that was on the TV show and that's why it was instrumental. Maybe. No, I remember. I remember it just being an instrumental. I yeah, don't remember. It sounds just like it's very similar vein to this song. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I have a compilation of theirs, but I'm not like an expert at the Allman Brothers. Uh, I, I, check it out because you'll, I'll you'll, check it you'll out. know what I mean. But no, this yeah. is this is a great song. I, I I love it. Okay, well, okay, Mike, what do you think of Freedom Song? Excellent song, man. Again, like a couple other songs in this album, something could have been played on the radio, man. Exceptional guitar playing on here as well. Those vocals amazing on here. It's a great song, man. Kind of closing out the album, it's like uh, Eddie said, great placement as well. Good sequencing. Yes. Yeah, yeah, you need uh, it, it kind of picks things up a little after Silver Dollar. Would say it's it. If I had to pick, it's probably my second least favorite. But it's a very strong second least favorite. Like unlike Silver Dollar, I still think this is a really good song. It's yeah. just that I love all these other songs a little more. But it's a really good song. Great guitar line. Sounds more like classic Thin Lizzy. Gorham wrote it with, uh, with Phil. And and uh, this was the song where I was going to bring up Phil's bass playing. If you listen, maybe it comes out really when you listen to the record too. I was listening to vinyl. And God, Phil's doing a fucking great bass line on this song, especially these last two tracks. Actually, his bass really shines. He's doing all this like Paul McCartney like walking shit. Like he's working that fucking fretboard. He's doing all this cool shit that I don't think people even notice. There's times too where he mirrors what the guitars are doing, like when they do these speedy little run-throughs, and he's doing it on the bass. And it's it's he's a great bass player, so underrated as a bass player. And yeah, it's a cool song. It's a it's a good second to last track too. I you know great sequencing. So Eric, what do you think? Is this your least favorite or your favorite? <laughs> so I got to tell you, man, this is a great album, and you know it's a great album when this track is amazing and perfect as it is is my least favorite and that's like you know and that's that's not saying that it's a bad song i think it's a great song but it's just my least favorite you know it's just there's so many so many classics on here that it's just like god damn it's like you know this is probably my my least favorite you know like because you know you just hear so many others that I, I like just a little bit better but that's a great fucking song man you know i mean you guys just kind of took the words out of my mouth just great guitar playing phil once again just delivering amazing vocals on it. it's just it's a really great song and it's another really it's a five out of five song just there's you know all these other songs on this album that i like just a little bit better than this one so yeah that's a true testament to what a perfect album this is all right and you know what eric because now that cat's out of the bag and i know this next track is your favorite one on the album <laughs> talk about and it's a misleading title. <laughs> Talk about Ballad of a Hard Man. Ballad of a Hard Man. I mean, I, I like the title because it's like, yeah, yeah, Ballad of a Hard Man. So it's like the kind of fucking ballad of a fucking badass, like, street <laughs> guy, like, you know, like a Phil Lynott's listening to. I mean, that's the shit he's making love to. It's like, damn, this song is just, this is this is sexy. There you go, Mark Allen Taylor. This song is sexy. It's just so badass. It's like you know, and the and the riff on here. It's like a, it's almost like a hybrid of like whole lot of love, uh, or uh, round and round by Aerosmith. Not not the Rat song, the the Aerosmith song round and yeah. round. It's just it's got that sexiness, like that you know, like 
you know, being a teenager, smoking a joint, you know, like, with a, you know, and being with a hot girl or something, man, it's just, oh, and, and Phil's just, like, I love his, like, rapid-fire, like, jiving vocals, man. It's like he's just spitting so much fire and venom, but at the same time, it's so sexy. Like, he's just, it's like he's singing to this chick, man, just talking about all the things he's gonna do to her, man, and, and he know he's gonna do it. It's just so fucking cool, man. I love this song. What a great way to end the album. And like the great Wadzilla always said, you know, a great album always ends with a song that leaves you wanting more. Well, man, the moment I hear this song, it's like, and it's over, like, I just immediately have to, like, click play and, like, just listen to the whole album over again. Because I'm like, I want to hear all those great songs, and then I also want to hear this song again. It's just so fucking killer. And this is a fucking heavy one. Like, if you're, like, you know, if you're like a, you know, more of a metal fan or like just, you know, or like harder rock fan and you're trying to get a Thin Lizzy, like this is totally a song you got to listen to. Uh, this is totally a deep cut you need to hear. So fucking love this song. Favorite song on the fucking album. Uh, what, what do you think, Mike? Yeah, I think Bow to the Hard Man, other than the Spirit Slips Away, is the like the heaviest song on the fucking album. Hell yeah. You know? And the musicianship is just a hundred on here perfect song and a perfect way to end it like fucking eric was saying just cool shit you know smoking a joint got a bitch by your side <laughs> great shit man love it nice what do you think steven uh yeah brilliant song to close out the album uh it it, it sounds like they're just they're playing it in a garage you know it's very like, yeah raw, yeah like a raw sounding uh song and um I think the vibes of the of the of the solos it, it reminds you of the rocker. I, I don't, you know. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah good the, point. If you've heard the like, the long version of the rocker, it's like fucking two hour solo at the end. By <laughs> uh, it's what it kind of reminds me of. And the, the surprising thing about this song that it was written by Scott. The whole thing is just his credit, which it's strange because you know it, it's as good as any Phil song on this album. And the lyrics are so filled that I was surprised when, you know, when I saw Phil didn't have any writing credit on this. Um, and uh, lots of, uh, you know, customary uh, wah-wah guitar solos on there. So, yeah, it, what a way to close it out. I mean, it's a great, a brilliant album. And to close it like this is just phenomenal. And kudos to, to Scott for bringing that at the end, you know. Yeah, it's because he, he's the sole songwriter for this one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, I'm. I love this song. This fucking song's awesome, and I would say it's it's grown to be kind of like King's Vengeance. It's a it's it's one that uh, I don't know why it didn't hit me sooner because it's the most hard rocking song I think on the album. But it's one of those songs that I was always kind of more about the first side for a while, but then the second side, you know, with the exception of Spirit Slips Away. But man, this song has really grown on me. I would say now it's my fifth favorite. It's locked in there. It's my fifth favorite song on the album. But a very strong fifth favorite. Very strong. It, it's perfect way to end this album. You know, everything you guys said. And I, it's just, I love that sound. It's so raw. It's so raw and heavy. The sound of the guitars and Phil's vocals. Like, there's an effect on his vocals. Like, you know, it sounds very raw. A kind of punk. That's the thing, too. It sounds both. This almost sounds like the the new wave of British heavy metal, but in 1975, where there's that both that metal and punk vibe to it. You know, it's something very garage about it and raw, and it just has an edge. And of course, Phil brings that street edge to the 
the lyrics and the vocals and just it sounds hard it sounds like what it is it's about a fucking hard man this guy will fuck you up this baseball bat <laughs> like on the album cover and it just sounds like a good way. album cover yeah and it's amazing that phil didn't write it it's kind of weird because it, yeah, it sounds like something he'd write but you know yeah. what even even when he didn't write it fucking lives it it's like a great actor yeah because like, i mean dude think about it, you know if someone else tried singing this song could they really deliver it the same way phil did i mean no. he puts his at he takes those lyrics that yeah he didn't write those lyrics but it's like his attitudes in there he sings it with that that street you know that street tough like fucking attitude yeah it's fucking awesome i love it and it's like it also just shows the, the versatility of of scott and robbo you know like because yes. the, the guitar line they don't just they're not just all about that twin guitar thing you know they do a lot of different kinds of things and this is a song where they're doing something else and man like i said you could kind of hear like motorhead covering this song and of course robbo would later be a motorhead for for a spell so like <laughs> it's just like you know when sometimes you know motorhead again people write them off they just know ace of spades and they think all their songs sound like that but they have their slower kind of more bluesy garage stuff like some of the deep tracks on overkill and stuff i could picture something like Ballad of a hard man like you know and of course lemmy loved thin lizzie you know they were oh uh, yeah one of his favorite bands that's why he got robbo in the band so uh this sound i could totally hear motorhead covering this and it's it's an awesome song awesome way to end this album and like i say when you know when when silver dollars like you know or you know, a freedom song are considered like the weaker songs on an album you know it's a great fucking album you know and man the and the highs are so fucking high and the thing is from i you know really for throughout i'd say nightlife to black rose all the albums are this consistent they're such an amazing band such an amazing band i mean look i'm the only guy here who this is my favorite album and yet you guys all loved it and you got oh, yeah, over it. phenomenal <laughs> it was a gushathon <laughs> <laughs> so so that just tells you how fucking great thin lizzie was in the 70s you know oh yeah man they were like fucking they're awesome one of the best bands ever if if you haven't dived into it if you haven't gotten this album it's fucking saint patrick's day get drunk play fighting and you know make love or get into a fight just do something <laughs> one just, of the two one of the two <laughs> not both but man i fucking love this album it's great talking about it with you guys thanks steven and mike you're awesome absolutely good hell yeah awesome. love you guys so uh so yeah so this is all thumbs up for all of us so now just talking uh start with you uh mike you know is there anything else you'd like to plug or anything you're listening to this week anything that you think is cool that you'd like to you know you know you recommend for anyone whether it's music or movie or just whatever oh man uh shit man i don't know dog like <laughs> I went back to Stone Temple Pilots Purple and that shit is putting me in a good mood I fucking love that album that's what I've been bumping recently that's a great album man 1994 yeah. shit yeah man it's funny you brought this up because my recommendation's a 90s album too I've been on a 90s kick I don't know maybe uh, uh, again nostalgic for uh, like that music because that you know a lot of music I was into when I was a teenager and but yeah per, Stone Temple Pilots I think is one of the bands in the 90s that aged the best uh, out of Absolutely. a lot of those big groups you know fucking They're, Unglued Vaseline Big Empty that record is fucking amazing brother great record great record I, I like the, the two albums afterwards too I thought was were really good but fuck yeah yeah they, they were solid good shit good shit I could tell they liked them and Lizzie too <laughs> they had good taste in music uh very good choice steven 
Steven, what have you been listening to besides uh, Bon Jovi and Iron Maiden? <laughs> and... Well, one Iron Maiden album takes like an entire week to listen are you, to. Are you, are you still listening to that song from the, the, the what, what's the one, the, the Irish Empire of the Clouds or some shit? Okay. Uh, Death of the Celts. Death of the Celts, are you still listening to that? Fucking love that song, yeah. He's listening to it for the past three days, it still, it still hasn't finished yet. It has not finished yet. I, I do a lot of driving and, I, and, and a lot of dog walking and I listen to a lot of Maiden. But, Where the uh, hell are you I walking you, your dogs to? It's a long walk. Another state? My dogs are begging me to go back home. No, I um, recently, I've been listening to um, two bands a lot. Uh, one, kind of related to this uh, episode, um, is uh, Black Star Riders, because they just brought a nice. new album. I fucking love them, and if you, you know, Scott was in them for a founding member, and a very Lizzie feel, but but also their own style. Uh, and then also, I've been into listening a lot to Phil Campbell and the Dirty Bastard Sons, uh, which, do you know that band? No, I haven't listened to I've them. I've heard of them. Oh, man, they're amazing. Phil Campbell and the Bastard Sons. It's his son, I think. It's also in his band. And, uh, oh, it's great. It's, an, it's just a rollicking album uh they've got two albums and a live album uh, really check out the first album it's fantastic um and then the other thing i wanted to just say is nothing to do with music but you're saying what you've been watching recently and i've just been binge watching because of course i'm british and i'm a big soccer fan i'm, <laughs> say, I'm saying soccer for you guys but i'm really meaning football but it's there uh, on hulu is that uh, welcome to Wrexham, which is a documentary uh, about ryan reynolds and rob McElhenney that bought a um a Welsh soccer team um, in the lower leagues and they're you know it's just, everyone thought it was a bit of a joke at first like you know just Hollywood stars just whatever but they've really gotten into it and so if you have Hulu and it's not really about the, the, the game itself it's just about how they bought the club and how they're improving it and, and improving the town it's like a small little town in Wales great great show it's called Welcome to Wrexham but so Welcome to Wrexham Black Star Riders and uh, Phil Campbell and the Bastard Sons check it all out Sounds good. Right Sounds on. good. I'm going to recommend, and this is a, going to be a real curveball for a lot, you guys and a lot of our listeners, but uh, there's a band in the 90s, and I've been, on, like I said, on a kick listening to a lot of different stuff, stuff I hadn't listened to for like maybe 15 years. Damn. A- and this was, a, there was part of the, the Rye Girl <laughs> movement. You, you have to say girl. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm actually going to. Is it L7? Uh, uh, it, well, they were part of that movement, but yeah, I'm gonna, not <laughs> the, L7. The tampon but, girl, right? Yeah, I, I am talking about. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm gonna. This is a feminist punk rock record. <laughs> <laughs> so very, very different from what I would normally uh, talk about. But this is an album. I think some guys, some people out there. Yeah, even men, not women. Like we got any women listeners? But anyway, <laughs> we got like maybe one woman. Yeah, listener. Well, we got we got cupcake. That's it. But anyway, <laughs> so. This is an album, but I don't know if you guys are familiar with the band Bikini Kill. Yeah. Oh, yeah, everyone knows. Everyone knows that damn name. But, because Kathleen Hanna, who's Ad-Rock's wife, she would marry Ad-Rock and the BC Boys. I think most people know Kathleen Hanna more from her appearance in the Sonic Youth video, um, Bull in the Heather, which is probably their biggest, second biggest song. And she's very cute. She was a very attractive uh, brunette. And 
She was the, the main singer and songwriter of Bikini Kill, and she also had the band La Tigre afterwards. Her first album was actually pretty good. I really liked the first album. Not so much her later stuff, but the first album was good. But uh, Bikini Kill was uh, kind of like with Hole, L7, that wave of, uh, you know, kind of feminist punk rock coming out of uh, Washington in the early 90s. They were very raw and heavy, and Kathleen... Hannah had a she could she's like this little cute brunette but she she didn't sing like a little cute brunette she was like real she had a really heavy voice even like heavier than Courtney Love or Babes in Toyland like she could, oh, I fucking love Babes sorry bro they, I interrupt. oh no <laughs> yeah and she I'm just saying like Kathleen <clears throat> Hannah this little girl like she could just felt like fucking crazy she had a really powerful vocal line you could kind of hear like she had a lot of influence a little like keith morris you know black flag she did this vibrato thing this kind of crazy vibrato thing and their stuff was very heavy their last album and this is what i'm recommending is 1996's reject all american and reject all american is very very different for them it's very slick it's very catchy it's a very fun album even though it has a feminist political undercurrent the thing i like about kathleen hannah is she had a sense of humor kind of like the beastie boys that's why she could marry ad rock is there's a sense of humor there's a playfulness and it's almost like power power pop at times like the songs are really catchy and fun even though they're heavy you could the best thing i could say is imagine the go-go's if they were like a heavy punk group like, yeah, so it's almost like Valley. That's one thing she, uh, Kathleen Hanna, used to say that she was a Valley girl a lot. You know, yeah. so there's a real Valley girl vibe of this album, and it's it's also I hear a lot of cheap trick on this album, mm. and it even starts off like uh, the, the first song is a so- song called Statement of Vindication, which is just one minute, and then the last song is another minute song of finale, and it's kind of like. A hello goodbye kind of thing like uh, cheap trick was doing like in color and in budokan like um where there's kind of a intro song and yeah and, and i hear a lot of cheap trick i hear a lot of the go-go's on this and and a little bit of uh, the sex pistols and a little bit of the ramones so if you like the ramones if you like the sex pistols if you like the go-go's if you like cheap trick well here's a really cool album from the mid 90s which and i these songs are catchy the the title track is really catchy reject all american is kind of like a punk rock we got the beat it's so catchy and fun and i actually think people would have been into it in 1996 and like i said kathleen hannah was like easy on the eyes so i i don't understand i guess maybe she was against doing videos or something but they never promoted it they didn't do videos for it and i feel like this is a this is an album that could have crossed over, I think. It had the abilities. The songs are really catchy. But they they didn't promote it. The label didn't promote it. And then she broke up the band afterwards and formed La Tigre. La Tigre and that was it. And then she unfortunately got Lyme disease. There's a documentary about oh, her. Very good documentary. In Ad Rock, that guy was a really good guy. He, st- you know, he stayed with her th- throughout all that and helped her through it. And the documentary dealt with that. It's called uh, The Punk Singer. So I also recommend that because she's a very interesting person. Uh, so if you want to see the documentary about Kathleen Hanna, The Punk Singer is a very good documentary. But this album, Reject All American, it's a song that if you have an open mind to it, if you got, you know, regardless of what you think about feminism and politics, if you're just about music and melody and good hooks, 
And if you like the idea of a heavier Go-Go's, well, give this album a shot. I think it's an awesome album. And like the Stone Temple Pilots, it's one of those mid-90s albums that's aged really well. Like, you put it on, it's like, yeah, this album's still... This album, I think, is even better than I thought back in the 90s. It's aged very well. Better than a lot of the, her peers, in my opinion. So that's my recommendation. What's yours, Eric? Oh, shit. All right. So my recommendation, because uh, we we mentioned her multiple times, I mentioned her multiple times in this episode. Uh, my cupcake uh, song that always makes me think about her uh, is "Something" by the Beatles. So I'm gonna recommend the legendary album that that song came from, uh, "Abbey Road" by the Beatles. The uh, the last, technically the last album by the Beatles, you know, because "Let It Be" was recorded before. Um, you know, I was just released last because they kind of put it on the shelf for a bit. But Abbey Road by the Beatles, man, amazing, amazing album. You know, it's just uh, they they knew they were breaking up and they just wanted to go out there and bust out one great, one more great album, and and they did just that. You know, you got Come Together, yeah, George Harrison with like probably two of his best songs he ever wrote. Uh, you know, Something, obviously that's the song that makes me think of Cupcake and. Uh, you know, and then you got Here Comes the Sun, which has always been a favorite of mine since I was like a real, real little kid. Uh, you know, you got the great little, uh, you know, you got like that nice little medley, you know, by Paul. You got, yeah, I like Maxwell's Silver Hammer, too. Everyone kind of shits on that song, including the band themselves. <laughs> but, you know, just what a, what a great album. I love Abbey Road and just what a great way for them to, to close out their career, you know. So I'd recommend go listen to Abbey Road by the Beatles. Wow, yeah, well, you got it. I guess everyone loves Abbey Road. How could you not? Right, guys? If you don't like oh, Abbey Road, I mean, that's, that's I don't know, you, I question your, I question your uh, hearing. Yeah, well, obviously I have to hit that at some point. My very favorite Beatles song of all time is on that album. It's, well, oh, uh, You Never Give Me Your Money. Oh, that's a good one. I love that. Yeah, yeah. I've Here comes, lot. you know, Here Comes never the Sun. Never give me your money. Oh, yeah. Bye. Bye. <laughs> yeah. You know, I guess... I gotta say, I think Here Comes the Sun's one of the first songs I ever remember, because I think it was, it, it's kind of dumb, because I think, like, I thought it was a Sesame Street song, because I think my mom one day... It is uh, a little I, Sesame Street-ish, well, here's in the, a way. <laughs> yeah, cause, well, here's the thing, they, I had, uh, my mom, I think what happened was she was listening to Abbey Road, and I thought she was playing my, I had a cassette tape, it was a Sesame Street cassette tape, but they did, like, a parody of uh, Abbey Road. Uh, album cover where it's like the Sesame Street characters walking along Abbey Road and uh I thought she was playing that because I was like mom can you play this cassette and so like I thought she was playing I heard Here Comes the Sun so for a while I thought it was like a Sesame Street song and uh yeah you know I gotta say I think that's actually one of the first songs I remember hearing like that's one of the earliest memories I have was hearing that song as a little kid uh so that's yeah there we go a little trivia that was the first song I remember hearing was Here Comes the Sun it's a nice first song to hear, but in the so much. Oh, Darling's probably my second favorite. Oh, that song's so oh, good. It's probably his best vocal performance. Oh, ever. yeah. He's fucking he shreds. Yeah. See, that motherfucker can scream his I, ass off. Oh, like, he, he could do, like, some straight up, like, you know, almost heavy metal sounding screams. Like, shit oh, you'd hear Ian Gillen start doing, like, in a few years. Totally, totally. And, of course, I uh, I Want You. That song's fucking awesome. Oh, oh yeah. Glad body that shit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he killed that one. That's like, oh man, they fucking yeah, the fucking Beatles, man. It's the Beatles, <laughs> man. One eighty gram vinyl too. That shit. Ooh, yeah, I got to do. That's odd. Yeah, you gotta gotta get the Beatles and vinyl, man. They sound great. 
yeah great great recommendation and i guess it will something's probably playing right now <laughs> oh i'm, I'm gonna so be listening good. to that in a few minutes. It's a nice it's a nice way to you know send this off anyway once again steven mike thank you so much guys it was Absolutely. awesome having you on of course <laughs> we'll have you on you guys on again and ha- happy happy st patrick's happy day st patty's day hey cheers everyone cheers everyone. thanks a lot guys hey. all right Thanks again, guys. Hell yeah, guys. Awesome. Later. Thank you. Later. Bye.